Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Standing on My Soapbox, the daily rant and radio show. We talk about all of the good, bad, and the ugly of current events. Join your host, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. You, our listeners, are invited to call in and stand on our soapbox with us. Call 347-989-0126 between 4 and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. That's 347-989-0126. Now, here are your host and creator, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. Well, thank you, Katie Barberi. Welcome to Standing on My Soapbox, everyone. I'm your host, Scott Fullerton. With me, as always, just a couple seconds, my esteemed co-host, actor and writer, Craig Hurley. It's Tuesday, March 26, 2019. We're talking the news of the day, politics, right here from 4 to 5 o'clock Eastern Time, where you can call in and tell us what's on your mind as well. In just a little bit, we have a treat for you today. We're going to be bringing a special guest calling in. Stan Zimmerman is a writer and director known for his work on The Golden Girls, The Gilmore Girls, Roseanne, The Brady Bunch Movies, so much more. He's also directed some fantastic plays, and he'll be coming to Stand on My Soapbox with us to talk about the recent suicides this past week of Parkland High School students and the father of a Newtown daughter. So let's go ahead and get started, though. Craig, welcome. Did you make it back safe and sound from the middle of nowhere, Illinois? Yes, we did. We made it back. How are you, sir? Yay. I am good, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um little tough uh what we thought was going to be an hour and a half one way turned into three hours one way and uh so three hours back yeah it was a good six hour trip it was a long day my friend that's just drive time that's not talking doing your errands and everything that's oh no yeah we had to do some stuff there and it took us about i don't know probably another three hours so literally nine hours i was gone yesterday Trying to move and, and, you know, get all my shit together and yet, you know, got other stuff need to do. So it's okay. We, we, we got a lot of cool stuff, actually. Got there uh, you go. Life keeps going stuff on. That, that Katie hasn't seen in, I, I, don't know, I don't know how many years. So, I mean, it, there, there, there was stuff there in there from her grandparents and, and from her mom. So. It was, it was a whole bunch of stuff nice. in, a, in a storage unit, yeah. Yeah, just what we need, more cool stuff, is- more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just talking last week about trying to sell some of your stuff on eBay. And now oh, no, I, I, no, 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 yeah, no, I don't know, we're constantly, we're constantly selling shit. Um, but, um, wow, dude, I, I just realized I'm, I, I, I'm actually still wearing my sunglasses. I'm, I'm sitting inside downstairs and I'm wearing my sunglasses. Sun's really bright today. Conspiracy yeah, theory. I don't know if anybody's if anybody's looking up, but um, uh, there's a whole bunch of chemical trails in the sky. Just want to throw that conspiracy theory out. 
they're trying to see the cloud ahead of this storm. They don't need to see the clouds ahead of a storm. The storm will provide enough precipitation, guys. Yeah, we talked about that last week, how that how those uh, chemtrails were doing that. That's crazy. So you're yeah, seeing so a lot we'll of them tomorrow. Out and Prince's, Prince's theory uh, on, on chemtrails, because he was a big conspiracy theorist on, on chemtrails as well, um, as well, like I am. Um, uh, yeah, uh, he said that people would argue the next day. So we'll see how many people are arguing out there the next day, at least in, in this area, this neck of the woods, the, the Midwest. I would say uh, let's go all the way to like Pennsylvania on that one. So we'll see how many people are arguing over all these states from, from Illinois on, because it's got to, they, they, they dump it over Lake Michigan. So in order to create more humidity or I don't know what they're trying to do, actually, it's just dumb. <laughs> stop throwing particles into our atmosphere already. It's just pollution. Exactly. Hey, lots of news coming out of Chicagoland today, my friend. You guys mm. are at the epicenter of it all. Oh, yeah, Jesse Smollett. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm a little confused. I, I'm, I, I'm a little confused on all this um, because uh, he, he was – Dropped, but he was found guilty immediately after the acquittal by the mayor and by the by the police superintendent. So I'm not sure what's actually going on there. I don't know. <laughs> I, there's so much secrecy behind all of this. I I have no clue. I you know I, I I'm just looking at it going. It was a dumb stunt in the first place. And now they're not pressing charges, and they're saying that the damage that's already been done to him and his career is enough. And and then they said, oh, nobody's guilty. I, what, I, I'm confused. I'm absolutely confused at what the justice system is doing right now. And yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm just not sure. No, it's, it's baffling it's confusing to me. confusing everybody. It's confusing the legal scholars because it's basically expunging it like it never happened before the arrest. They're taking this all the way back to before the arrest. Everything is done, whatever this legal term they used. I can't remember it off the top of my head. But it makes the arrest basically null and void for it. Um, And people just don't understand because, like you said, this is the state attorney general that's dropping all this. But then you have the mayor and the city police of Chicago still kind of saying, we think he's guilty as heck. So, and then you have him coming off. Uh, he did a short statement, or his lawyer did a little longer statement, saying they kind of still think it's the two guys doing it, according to the lawyer. So it's just there's so many things going on, and we have a special guest coming on a bit, and he gave me a little inside dirt of a rumor control going around Hollywood. I don't know if we can tell on the air or not. We'll have to wait till he comes on. If not, I'll discuss it with you off air. No, so let him let him control. throw let him throw it out there. Yeah, let him throw it out exactly. there. I mean it. You know, TMZ is reporting a lot of stuff, and and they're usually good at what they report. Um, right. Unlike Fox, uh, you know, they, they're both tabloids, um, but one tends to be more into facts, and that would be well, TMZ. Well, they kind of dig into it. I mean, they dig through your trash and shit. They don't make stuff up. They just use shady practices to find everything. They they corner you, TMZ doesn't just make shit up out of whole cloth like the tabloids generally do. I haven't. Um, they, they, they do a little bit of, 
investigative journalism along with it. I hear a little Katie Barberi in the background. You do? How is that possible? I I have an echo somehow. You have a you have a. If you just heard if you just heard Katie, that's not that's not possible because I had my mic turned down. So yeah, hmm, what is happening? You have a small echo going on, and we heard Katie come in there, but that's okay. We're good. It's all good. No, it's not. But yeah, so the Justin Smollett thing is going to play out some more. Um, He has been exonerated of all charges, but he did forfeit his $10,000 bond, which makes it weird too. So he he let them keep that money. He he just wants to get it over with so he's not going to fight for $10,000, which makes everyone think, okay, it's the elite people buying stuff off again, as we heard from the college scandal. So that adds a little more fuel to all the other fires going on. So just so much stuff surrounding it. I don't know if we'll ever know exactly. Real interesting. Yeah, I don't know either. Well, like I said, we do have a special guest coming on a little bit because I wrote this in our notes yesterday. We didn't really get to it with you guys on the road, and we were talking about so much other stuff yesterday. But we had these uh, three suicides now in about seven days that we're going to talk with our buddy Stan about because he's actually written a great play on this. But so sad to talk about, we have um, two Parkland students commit suicide and a parent of one of the uh, kids killed in Newtown Massacre back um, Stan, however right? many years ago. Stan that was. Stan's calling in? Yeah, Stan's going to be calling yeah, in a little bit. Let's, let's wait to, to talk about that. He has a lot of information yeah. on that from what I understand. Yeah, he, he's, he'll be really good on that. So let's jump in. What else do you want to jump in about till I see him on the phone here? Anything that's well, I had a, in your heart I had a whole bunch today? Of, yeah, I had a whole bunch of things that I've witnessed in the past couple of days. And sorry about this echo. I'll create, I'll, I'll fix it when we, when we go to break. Um, uh, but uh, uh, it's just stuff that I witnessed over the past like two days. Um, first and foremost, horrible driving. Absolutely horrible. You people do not know how to freaking drive. Get out of the left lane, especially truckers. I don't understand you. What, Dude, you're supposedly the, the best drivers on the road, yet you sit side by side doing 55 miles an hour when you're in the left lane. What are you, what are you staring at each other and talking to each other? Just You, you got to look <laughs> at each other and talk to each other over the CB? What the hell? Get out of the freaking way. You are a hazard. So, horrible driving. Um, what else did I witness? Uh, oh. I, I, you know, like I've been going through all of my stuff um, and I'm finding a lot of clothes that I don't use. And one of the things I saw on a post from uh, Christians was for Lent or especially for Catholics, I guess. But for Lent, they were they're gathering together a bag a day for 40 days of different things in their house, mainly clothing, that they are going to be giving away to a charitable organization um, for, for Lent instead of fasting for, you know, 40 days or whatever, instead of giving up chocolate or whatever. You just, you figure out something that you can give to a charitable organization. But I personally don't give to things like goodwill because it's not a charitable organization. In, in fact, they make a tremendous amount of profit and they don't pay their 
employees the right way. They don't, they don't, it's not a charitable organization. It may be called Goodwill, but that's not what they are. So, um, and, and other uh, organizations have been known to be kind of messed up as well, um, as far as, I mean, even Salvation Army, which, you know, we're all like, Santa Claus ringing the bell? Seriously? That, that dude's being a shiesty? You know, what, he's a shiesty ass dude? What? How is that possible that these companies that are called these things, Salvation Army, Goodwill, and, you know, that, how is it possible that they're not really that? Um, but they're not. And so what I do and what I practice on almost a daily basis, I've done this, I, I do this as much as I can. I have extra clothes. Everybody has extra clothes. Um, I have clothes that I'm never going to wear again. And especially now I've been, I've just been ripping through all of my stuff and been like, do I need this? Do I not need this? Do I need this? Do I not need this? It's just going away. And so I literally today went through a bin this morning while Katie was getting ready for her audition. And then, um, and I found a whole bunch of clothes that I'm never going to use again and stuff that I used when I was doing construction and I'm never going to use them again, except for maybe to play a construction worker or something. Um, but that's only for an audition. And what, I need one sweatshirt and one pair of jeans for that. I don't need anything else. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need a collection of construction, you know, clothing. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, I, right, let so me interrupt I for gathered a second, all that friend. together. We have a special really. caller on the line. So I'm going to interrupt you. I've still got my echo, though. Uh, you still got a little bit of an echo, but that's okay. We can hear uh, I was just going to say that I gave, that I put a bunch of sweatshirts in, in my car. And, and then gave them to a homeless guy today. I was, I literally got out of my car to smoke a cigarette and a homeless dude beeline to me and he's like, I don't have any clothes. And I'm like, guess what? I do. And so a whole bunch of clothes that I literally found today I, and put them in my truck today, I gave away today. So nice. that's how that works. You know, that's, that's how you have to really, really try to go. try. That's how I do it. No, yeah, it's every day. Okay. You know, just throw those clothes in the back of your car and drive along. You'll see a homeless person. I guarantee it. Definitely. Well, we got a special treat, guys. I'm very excited to bring on a very good friend of mine that I've been excited to call a friend. He's an amazing writer and director. He's written for fantastic seasons of The Gilmore Girls, Golden Girls, Roseanne, the Very Brady movies. He's directed some amazing plays around town one we're going to talk to with, about katie barberi in just a couple of seconds but uh, he has an amazing play that he wrote um that we're going to talk about that ties into these suicides we have so please welcome to the show for the first time standing on my soapbox with craig and i mr sam zimmerman sam how you doing buddy hey how are you doing is welcome, there room is there room on the soapbox? Land. you are on the soapbox is there room for me Come on up. Well, it's a big soapbox. It's big. Okay. Um, meet my friend, actor and writer, Mr. Craig Hurley. Hello, Craig. Sorry, guys. Oh, I my... am so trying to mess with my uh, my equipment over <laughs> here. On Once again, mind. having technical um, difficulties. I yeah, don't think you, could say, you, you can't say mess with your equipment because we'll, our minds will go elsewhere. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah, not that equipment. I'm okay. <laughs> I can't say microphone either, huh? It depends what size. There you go. (laughs) There you go. How are we going to segue from this into suicide? I don't know, but I'll find a way. 
I think it's great that you're giving your clothes out. I think that's really wonderful. And, you know, it's it's really depressing in L.A. driving around and you see so many people living in tents now on the streets and it feels like we're not doing anything. Um, yeah, this guy was talking to me about how he really he doesn't need money. He only needs money for, you know, food. Um, but but there are those benefits that are out there, even though they're attempting to cut them nationwide. Um, right. And and he said what he really needs is a bus pass. What wow. he really needs is is a train pass so that he can travel from one section of the city to the other. Because like his, the place where he stays, the shelter that he stays is on in one end of the city, and then his doctors are in another end of the city. So. Hmm it's virtually impossible for him to walk that. And, right. and especially when he's not feeling well, feeling well, that's why he's going to see the doctor, but he well, really there's a connection also with, with, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of mental health issues, um, exactly. with people on the street and not being able to afford or able to get help. And, you know, with the suicide crisis now as a mental health issue. So, um, it's great that you're doing work and helping and, you know, it just starts by first noticing it and everybody keeping their eyes open and with suicide, it's, it's being able to talk about it. And I know there's so much shame involved and people don't know what to say. And that's how I've come at it through my experience. Um, because it just, it happened to me and I don't profess to know the answers or even the right words to use sometimes, but we can't shy away from talking about it. No, we have to talk about it. That's that. That's the kind of the whole point of standing on my soapbox. Uh, we're talking about things that people don't normally talk about. They've been told not to talk about it. Religion, politics, they've been told not to talk about it, and now look where we are. So, no, we have to talk about all of these issues, and, and including mental health. Mental health is a tremendously big problem, uh, not just in the United States, but worldwide. So we we have to pay attention to that. Yeah, um, there was a, a a fallacy for many many years. I mean, with sex education, that people felt if you talked about it, people would do it. I think there's that similar stigmatization. Oh, people are going to do it anyway. Right. That uh, if you talk about suicide, people will do it. And it's um, but we must talk about it. We can't keep it in the shadows. And that's yeah, why no, I, people, are, people are going to commit suicide anyway. If they're if they're, if they're at that point, they're at that point. Um, I've I've always thought. I mean, there's been so many times like uh, Robin Williams. I'm just I'm like, wow, man, we're so missing out on your voice right now. Even if you had dementia, even if you had Parkinson's, whatever the hell was going to happen to you, we're so missing out on your voice. And he would be such a powerful influencer right now in the way people are acting and reacting. Yes, um, but he could not see that because of his whatever mental condition he was of, in. Yeah. And that's why it's important for people well, to severely, help. severely depressed. Yeah. Severely depressed. But there are there is therapy, there's medications now. It's, you know, I mean, thematically in my play, it's about living for what's around the corner. We don't know. And it's oftentimes clouded by the depression. And by talking about it and seeking help, and there are, you know, so many avenues now and every day more. 
Um, unfortunately, there aren't places where people can start to talk about it, and that's why I wanted to do this play to spark conversation. And each time, nice. different. I've done it in many communities, um, <clears throat> starting in Hollywood, then going to a huge benefit that we did in New York in December of 2017 at Town Hall with Judith Light and um, Vanessa Williams and Hamblin and um, just uh, Alice Ripley, just a uh, just a wonderful group of actors. Malik Pancholi, Ravi Volman. I could go was on. It, um, hey, what, uh, Vanessa Williams, you just said. Was, was that was, she's the one that got her Miss Universe thing taken away, right? Was it Miss Universe or was it Miss America that she uh, got taken away? Miss America, I, dude, we need to give that back to her. I, I, I'm serious. We just need I to think move back we need to, to move her. on from from that stuff. whole thing. <laughs> it was obviously different. It was a different time. Yeah. Um, because people have done much worse and moved into oh, bigger houses like the White House that have done worse. Yeah. And there's nothing shameful about you know your body and 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 people look seeing your body. But anyway, that's a whole different discussion. Um, she's now an extremely wonderful, gracious person and, and volunteered her time to be a part of that evening and host it for us. And nice. um, and that was really incredible of her, as it well was for the rest of the talent. But we've done the show in Bethesda. We did it in Orlando. Um, we did it in Claremont uh, at a high school with high school students, faculty, and board members in the play. Wow. And along with myself. So originally when I did the play in Hollywood, I created it to be in the mode and model of the vagina monologue. So it was four actors sitting on stools reading from a script. So that way uh, any community could pick up the play and put it together in a day if they had to. And and I just started collecting real suicide notes and facts. It was just facts as hard-hitting as they were. Wow, um, dude, that is an awesome but, but that's an awesome concept. Kurt Cobain to war veterans to LGBTQ right. to girls that were bullied. Um uh it was it was a lot of them. But I talk about that um like at the beginning of the play we state that um every twenty seconds someone in the world will die by suicide. So that in the hour that they're sitting in that theater, hundred and eighty people will end up their life. Wow. And that's wow. a very powerful thought while people are sitting there. Sitting but there, then yeah. uh, my director, Michael Wilson, who directed um, Cicely Tyson and Vanessa Williams in um, Trip to Bountiful on Broadway, he suggested that I tell the story of my friend, Kevin, uh, who died by suicide, and my journey through it, uh, through the play. So um, I, with a twisted arm created a narrator me character and as this uh, piece keeps expanding and I've done the play twice actually have been in it and I haven't been an actor for over 20 years uh, it was very difficult for me to get through it emotionally but important for me to tell my story and as I tell it the play has turned into not just about suicide notes Really, and I just got back from, we did a, a, a wonderful reading of it um, in New York with a theater company called Houses on the Moon, which deal with real subjects in a theatrical way. And they hosted the event. And um, it, the piece has become really about what happens to a comedy writer, someone who's funny and something tragic happens in their life. And how I learned 
through the experience of collecting these notes, hoping to find the answers in these other suicide notes, and the search for my friend's note, and hoping that would put the pieces together. And so it's a much, it's a funnier piece now. It's much more What'd human. You find? And I think uh, from the response from the audience, um, uh, just a way for people to relate to it, even to you know me learning how to use the right words. Like I didn't know you weren't supposed to say commit suicide. So wow. um, things like, like that. Like I just did. Excuse like you just did. Off. But I think yeah. that's okay. I think that's how we learn, and and that's how. And it's it's also ever changing. As the more we I, know about it, I just and, always felt I, I'm so mad at people when they do that, when they take their own lives. I'm I'm just like guys, I, I'm just so mad. Everybody goes through it. Everybody goes through this life, and we all have a different perception of what this life is. There's seven billion people here, right? We all experience this day today differently. Everybody has a different experience on today. Um, I, I, I just, this life is so short. It is so, so short. We, we are a blink in the first place. We only, if we're lucky, 76 years is the average lifespan. At least it was. That's gone down now. I think it's the 73. Um, but, but Okay, but now lifespan. imagine everything you're feeling and you still don't want to live. So imagine you can't even feel what those, everyone feels in that position, that they would rather end their life than feel all that you just felt. That's how strong the other side of it is. And that's something I don't have depression, I don't know. Uh, David Foster Wallace wrote a great piece, and he wrote on suicide and his depression and also ended his life in suicide. And he talked about it, it's like being in a burning building. And you look at one side, the flames are coming at you, and you're looking out the window. And that seems like the better way out. And to me, I put that in the piece in the beginning because, like you, I didn't fully understand why would somebody do that. There's a lot of misconceptions that it's something selfish. But for the people experiencing it, it is like being in a burning building. And and it also reminded me of when I saw the images from 9-11. And not yeah. understanding Other why people would those people jump out a window? Yeah. Because yeah. for them, that is the e- it's the the better way out. It will feel better than being stuck in there burning, and that is very hard for most people to comprehend what that is. And I think we have to be open-minded and open-hearted in uh, accepting that. And um, and talking about it and it's very complicated there's there's not a right or a wrong um and it's it's evolving but a lot of educators and they came to town hall because we had a lot of students also come would come up to me and just hug me and they said thank you we have no tools to begin the discussion and now here is a piece of theater that can provoke discussion um so that's why I, it hurts That's a little awesome, bit for dude. me to, every weekend that I'm not some in some community doing this play. Right. So we're hoping to do it more places, eventually get it published, and then people like Vagina Monologues can take the piece and the money will all be, from the, their productions, would all be funneled back into suicide prevention. Dude, that's awesome. And talk about how that kind of correlates with what we have going on now 
um, we've had these two Parkland High kids, uh, one whose friend was one of the ones that was killed, the other one they haven't released any information on. Right. Then we have a father from the new town whose daughter was killed in that. Right. And he had actually started his own foundation to get that, but it's just, you can't imagine what they're thinking this entire time. And talk about survivor's remorse. Is that addressed in your play at all, Stan? Well, we actually do have um, the piece has evolved. And originally, my friends were like, you have to have hope in there. So I started <laughs> collecting uh, notes of people that attempted it but survived. Oh, and it's okay. really powerful. And I actually added a note. One of the actors in the piece, when we first did it, had a Facebook fan, um, and she saw what he was doing and wrote him an email and said, you know, I've never told anybody, but this is, I attempted it. And she wrote a beautiful email to him, and I asked if I could use it in the play, and it's in the play now. And it's one of the four pieces of people, and she says, you know, this is, now I have really something to live for and live up to. And, um... That's what's been so cool. When I did the play in Claremont, I went out to the lobby to talk to people after, and these two women came out from the bathroom hugging with tears coming down their face. And I said to them, you know, what made you two, you know, come together to see this? And they said, oh, we just met in the bathroom. And um, one of the women said, I had a friend like your friend Kevin, and in high school, and he called me one day after school and said, you know, this is what I plan to do, and she talked him out of it. And she went to bed, and she was just so happy, and the next day he didn't show up in school. Oh, no. Mm. And he had done it, and she had been living with the guilt, and she was probably in her 40s, and she said it wasn't until that night that she told herself, you've got to deal with this now. You can't, this is what's been stopping you in your life and you can't feel guilty. Um, and then tears are streaming down my face, and then the three of us are hugging. And um, so, you know, art can be really powerful. And that's, as you know, Scott, how I've been kind of dealing with my life of late, um, you know, coming from the world of comedy. Right. And using art to heal not only myself, but hopefully other people, whether you saw the play I wrote that was loosely based on my mother and her dealing with dementia um, and then doing Anne Frank with the Latin X cast and, and making the correlation with, with the horrible things that are happening at our border and pe- families are still separated, kids are still living in cages Katie, even Katie, though my, my fiance uh, just did uh, a play called The Abuelas where it happened in uh, 1970 six through 83 or five in mm-hmm. Argentina where the, the dictatorship was taking the children of dissidents or it, it was just people that were against the dictatorship. Most of them were artists because that's what we do. We mirror image or we oppose. And uh, the dictators wanted to take the kids and they gave them to military and or Catholic families and that were in support of, excuse me, the dictatorship. So they were raised as, those those children were raised as 
military or in favor of the dictatorship, but then the dictatorship ended and all the grandmothers, the biological grandmothers, the abuelas, are coming back and looking for their kids. And their kids are now 40 years old, 30, 30, whatever, 38, 39, 40, all in there. And they don't necessarily want to be found. Um, they are, they were raised really well. Like they were treated like gold. So they don't, they, so they don't want their uh, adoptive parents, but they're not really adoptive. They're appropriators. They're people that were given stolen babies and they don't, don't want those people going to jail. They love those people and those people love those children. But at the same time, they're torn because they're like, well, I'd really like to know my biological family because there's all these sisters and brothers and aunts and uncles and cousins and all these people that you never knew that, that loved you your whole life. So, you know, and, and yet they, they knew you existed. You just didn't know they existed. So yeah, I, I, um, Katie just did a play called the Abuelas at, at Victory Gardens theater. That is totally about that. Yeah. It's solely about uh, about what we're talking about here, and it is happening at our border currently. It is happening. We have people that have been deported from Central America, and not not even Mexico. It, it's Central America, and it's South Americans that have crossed through Mexico again after being deported months ago. That are standing at our border, going, "I want my kid back," and yeah. that that's but they don't know where they it's are. Already happening. They don't know where they are, and they don't no, care. No, they, they don't have they, any documentation on them. They created this policy as a deterrent. That was it. It is, it is legal to come and seek asylum. That's what people aren't understanding. At ports of entry. But when our government today closes down those ports, and why that hasn't been brought to court, I don't know. But it is happening. I think day. the ACLU. I think the ACLU has been. They, they have been in court. There's yeah. There's a number of. But when you have uh, Christian Nielsen saying to our Congress, we don't have cages, when we have pictures of kids in cages. Yeah, there are so kids. So she in is perjuring herself and lying to the American public about what is happening right now and today. So. <laughs> Talk about your play for a second, Sam, because this is the second run of this. Um, it, the Diary of Anne Frank, everyone knows the story, but you have done this with Yeah, the Latinx fact that he did it with Latinx, cast, though, is really cool. Amazing. So um, I only cast the actors in the attic with Latin actors. <clears throat> we have um, two white actors who are playing Meep and Mr. Crawler. Actually, Keith Coogan from Adventures in Babysitting is in it. I know um, Keith. I just saw I just saw Keith in in Denver. He and I and Katie and and Pinky, his wife. Um, yeah. We all we all hung out in in Denver when he was doing. Uh, I think it was Comic Con in Denver. Yeah, he so, does a lot of those. He's, yeah. he's fantastic, and he's been on this crazy I journey. I never do. I I had no idea when I came up with this idea that it would kind of turn into a worldwide controversy. So from London to Jerusalem to Geraldo Rivera on Fox News. We're screaming about it, um, the hate emails I got, um, until people started to see what I was saying and how I was saying it. And I'm, I was not demeaning Anne Frank. I was telling her story, but I was telling it th- 
through these people and them putting their feet in the shoes of those characters and feeling like them so we can learn from what Anne and all those people in the attic went through. And we've had uh, amazing response from actual survivors, and they have come to the show and been involved in talkbacks after. And we've gotten wonderful school groups started to come and buy up entire performances. And because we have a 15-year-old girl playing Anne and a 16-year-old playing Peter, for them, and some of them are their first time seeing a live show, but seeing a show with their contemporaries in it and from the contemporaries, you know, a teen point of view, that's what it's about, um, were some of the best shows. I, you know, just, I would just be in tears watching the, yeah. the show and the audience and, and what how it was shaping. Yeah, it really, lives. it really helps when you have powerful performers that are of the same age as, say, Anne Frank. So, yeah. you know, yeah, that, and I, I've noticed that in, in, in a lot of plays. And um, we've also it, but, reached out, I'm sure you guys saw the pictures uh, in Costa Mesa of the high school party with the swastika cups. I'd heard about I that, right. That. Uh-huh. Really, Costa Mesa. Wow. Yeah, so they, were, they took pictures of themselves making the Heil Hitler sign and drinking, and they put the red cups in the shape of a swastika. Oh, it's free speech. I'm sorry. It's free speech. People have the right to do whatever they want. I, I think it's foolish, and I think it's childish, but they absolutely have the right to do it. Well, no one's saying they don't have the right to do it, but we want to say that these kids need to know because they don't know what's the meaning of it. They think it's funny. They don't know the hurt that that causes people. Of course, you have the right to say and do anything, but their education system is lacking, and we've talked to them and are in talks with the school board down there of either bringing the kids up to see the play or us coming down there because there are now surveys that show that most millennials don't know what Auschwitz even is. Or they think it's fake. Yeah. So yeah. that's why we have to educate them so they learn that that's not funny, that that sign meant something and still means something to a lot of people. Yep. So that's why this piece is um, kind of turned into something more than a play, and I will come back on the show and tell you an, hopefully an exciting piece of news uh, where this play will go on um in a big, big, big way um, in November. So that's hopefully if, if all comes nice. together. Yeah, yeah, they're you know they're very uh, red down there in Orange County as far as California is concerned. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of uh, a lot of 45 supporters. So and a lot of what? Uh, 45 supporters. 45. We don't and, we don't mention them by name. Well, actually, that has that has changed a lot, and that's um, a misconception. That, that was in uh, you know ten years ago, but luckily, no, it currently, is. I, I was just there, dude. I, I literally was just there. Yeah, but they just well, they, they just voted, out, they just so voted in a lot of Democrats. So I think yeah, we yeah. have to stop. Um, you know, just saying it's just like the orange curtain. There are a lot of people there, and luckily a lot of immigrants and a lot of more open-minded people. And hopefully, you know, that will change. And is changing. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think it just the fact that they did 
lose the popular vote and lost six of the eight Republican seats down there. That's that pretty something big. For changing demographics. That is so, big yep. news because we just thought right. that area of the of California was lost. And um, you know, luckily, I think eyes are opening and 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 it is changing. And I think also, you know, generationally, hopefully. Well, speaking of change, Mr. Sands, right before I go, which is this amazing play that you wrote, uh, dealing with all these suicide notes and the effects on people before and after, and with this Latina X performance of Diary of Anne Frank, you have done some amazing Uh, change work yourself. Hello? Yes, Ms. Katie Barberi. Hi. Hi. How are you? Hello, Mr. Zimmerman. How are you doing? I am fantastic. I am in shock and awed and amazed and and thrilled and enthralled upstairs listening to the show. Uh, I just finished The Abuelas. I actually worked with Keith uh, when we were, he'll tell you this, 18 and 17 in uh, in a play called, in a show called Spooner for Disney. Oh, isn't he the sweetest? He's awesome. We actually dated. Uh Uh-oh. He will okay. tell you this too. And we, we were reunited in Denver so that I could meet Pinky and we could hang out. And it was so funny because Craig is still the same guy that he was when he was the 18 year old uh, that I, that I worked with on Freddy's nightmares, uh, which is where we met. But at the time he kind of went by scrappy and he had this long hair and he was sort of very, um, he was very uh, dangerous and kind of like rubble without a car looking dude. And, uh, and Keith was talking about that episode, and he said, and Scrappy was in it, and he was sitting right in front of Craig, and Craig said, I'm Scrappy. And that's when Keith realized that I had gotten engaged to Craig Hurley, to Scrappy from, from oh L.A., and that's where everybody called him at the time. Oh. Anyway, so I say, you know, when you, when you see a situation on the table, it, there's, there's no time like the present. There's a great saying in Spanish, Ay que no habla, Dios no lo oye, which means, he who, who does not, he who does not speak, God doesn't hear him. And so it would be an honor for me. We are headed out to L.A. shortly if you would give me the opportunity to audition for your project. I would love because that. Are I you based in Chicago? We're, not anymore. We're headed out to L.A. very, very shortly. I just finished The Abuelas. The whole oh, because I have um, a friend of mine is a Chicago producer, and he thinks that and Frank with the Latin cast in Chicago would be really important to do there. Yeah, and and also looking fantastic. at different ways to bring the show there or yeah, do it or mount a production there. So Yeah, no, it's yeah, I'm sure you have some good ideas. I was you about Off Air, Stan, who I thought would be fantastic for Anne Frank. And like I said, with her connection, she just did the, the Satino staff, the Abuelas. You guys are a natural match made in heaven there. <laughs> well, and do you, know, do you know Rockinelle? Uh, I do know Raquel. I did. Oh my God! I did Eva La Trailera with Raquel. So Raquel is Mrs. Van Damme. Oh my God! Are you kidding me? Oh, I can't wait to see this. Are, are you? When so, you see her in this, you—I mean, she is funny and sexy like no Mrs. Van Damme has ever been. But Mrs. Van Damme's a big flirt in, in the play, and but she also will make you just cry your eyes out. I mean, well, she, you know Raquel. Raquel has quite a story in her life. Yes, she does. Yes, she's been on my show. Dan, did you bring her on my show? I think you brought her on my show, but she's been on my show before. She's an amazing actor. Yeah, Yeah, she's actually on my Eva La Trailera chat, and we shot together for for eight months. That was the last novela that I did for Telemundo. 
with her, and that was just a couple of years ago. And she had come in from L.A. to do that in, in Miami with us. for. Well, for I am in love with her, and I'm so grateful that she's been a part of this. And Yeah, she's amazing. Um, she's a special, special, special lady. And, yeah, uh, she is. I'm Truly, so blessed and she, in my life. Again, she has uh, quite a story. Quite yes, a story she does. Yes, oh, she my does. God. Uh, well, be it be it for with a with a Chicago cast here or in Los Angeles. Well, I would let's love meet when you're here, and maybe you know with with Keith or whoever, or with Raquel, or we'll figure it out. I love uh, them I, both. We 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 all got to go to dinner. Yes, that really. would be fun. Uh, yes. I do have to run. I do want to thank you. Um, yes, for inviting me on the show and for keeping discussions like this out there. Um, it's not going to be the last time I'm sure that we're talking about this, um, but we have to. Exactly. Well, Stan Zimmerman, you know I love you like a brother. Thank you for coming on and standing on my soapbox with me. I yeah, appreciate thanks, Stan. It. I really appreciate it. Nice too. meeting you. I'll stand on the soapbox with you anytime you want. Thank you so much. All right, okay, talk to you guys have later. Have a great afternoon. We'll talk okay, off there. I'll see Bye. You later. Right. Bye. Bye, buddy. All right, with that, we're going to take a real quick break, and we'll come to wrap it up. We only have 15 minutes left because we had such a fantastic conversation here. Let's do wow, a that was really quick, cool. Stan uh, sounds really ahead. cool, man, and I like his work. I like what he's doing. He is, he's amazing. He's, um, he's actually more known than Kevin Bacon. He's got eight degrees. of He's worked with anyone who's anybody and been a great friend of mine for the last four years. And just does does some amazing work. So yeah, he's we'll he's literally about. you know the closest you can get is like two degrees, and he's literally two degrees of separation. So I mean he's zero degrees of separation from us, and you know there we you just go. met. So yeah, yeah. Well, we go uh, maybe in June we'll all go out there for dinner or something when I'm down there and you guys are there by then, and we'll all go out to dinner and have a great old time. Sweet. All right, let's take a quick break, guys. We're going to be back in just a couple of minutes. This is little Matt Stern. You're listening to Standing on My Soapbox. Give us a call when you get back, 347-989-0126. If you heard that conversation, we'd love to know your thoughts on it, 347-989-0126. Thank you. 
have a little back echo in there but you sound fine we can hear you okay welcome back to the show everyone we got about 15 minutes if you want to actually 10 minutes now goodness gracious give us a call 347-989-0126 i definitely want to thank stan zimmerman for coming in check out his website um it's and check out this play he will bring this play uh anywhere you want it to go it's called right before i go all about suicide and so important to be talking about these things and then, like I said, we're going to have a big announcement on the Diary of Van Frank very soon. Craig, he's had some serious controversy when he first did this. They, were, they pulled him on uh, CNN and all these other places that thought it was sacrilegious that he was using a Latinx um, cast for this. But it's so comparable. And I'm sure Katie can see the comp- the, what's going on there. Yeah, no, it, it's very comparable. Um, yeah, I know. I think it's, it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. That's, that's, you know, once again, that's what we artists do. Um, we, we mirror image and we, and people don't like it. They don't like what they see. Right. Yeah. It's, um, you know, if you don't like what you see when you see a mirror image of, uh, of an actor, you know, portraying what seems to be you, then change yourself. <laughs> it's not the actor. <laughs> Because the actor is just taking, you know, like I do, bits and pieces from different people and different things that I experience in my life and create a character. I'm just creating a character. So if you happen to see something that you don't like, that's mirror imaged by an actor playing a part, check yourself, you know, seriously, check yourself and go, wow, uh, that part of me 
it must suck. So I, I better get rid of that and try going in a different direction. You know, try giving a shirt away instead of trying to take one. Yeah, I love that. You've, I mean, you've talked about it a lot, and I love that you practice what you preach in that and give, telling us that story today. Because you're right. I mean, there's so many things. Um, Salvation Army has a lot of problems with it. <laughs> um, being part of the LGBT community, they haven't always been the greatest towards us. They they think Harry Potter is satanic. Uh, they have a lot of little issues. Yeah, yeah. we need to get um, the religion out of charity. It's just being charitable. Right. To, you know, it's it's your brother. It's it's called brotherhood of man, which is something that John Lennon spoke about in Imagine. So it, it, it's brotherhood of man. There would be no reason for it if we actually just shared everything. So the things no. that you're not using for years on end, I haven't used those shirts that I gave that dude easily six years, seven years, eight years. No, dude, 10 years. I have not used those shirts that I gave that guy. And I'm like, why, why do I have them? He needs them. He actually needs them. He was so thankful. No, you're right. hundred percent. I mean, that's, and that's really what it's all about. You, you need to, uh, you need to be able to do the proactive steps like that. I mean, and like you said, money is always good for big things like Red Cross and stuff when you're dealing with national disasters. But when you can impact your local area like that, that's what you really need to be doing. You need to impact locally by actually doing something. Bring the meal. Don't bring the money. Bring the meal. Bring the shoes. Bring the shirt. Whatever it takes to help make someone's life a little bit better, that's what we should be doing. And taking care yeah, of yourself. I, I don't know how many times Katie has just been like, I can't believe you just did that. We paid $30 for that cheeseburger, and I freaking wanted <laughs> that cheeseburger, and you gave it to some homeless dude that's standing on the side of the road. And I'm like, well, he's freaking hungry. Uh, you know, we just ate. It's only like a quarter of the $30 cheeseburger. It's, I'm sorry, $19 cheeseburger. It was a $30 meal. Um, and and it's <laughs> It's true. That's Chicago. $19 cheeseburgers. That, that's a standard in, in Chicago. Ask anybody that walks into a restaurant. So, um, there you go. Yeah. It's, and, and I'm like, it's only a quarter of it. So what did I give him? Four bucks? You know, I, I you know what? I, it doesn't matter. So, you know, <laughs> she, you don't know how many times she's like, no, if I'm having sushi, there's no way you're giving it. <laughs> and I'm like, but he needs food. The dude needs food. Yeah, I, I, I'm doing that. On the flip side of this, though, um, uh, like there's a in Colorado when they uh, when they I'm sorry, this is going to be a nasty segue um, uh, when they legalized uh, marijuana, um, a whole bunch of people started getting sick and it's called the cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. And I'm 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 I knew about it then. I knew about it a couple of years ago because it's really that and it only really happens in Colorado. It doesn't really happen anywhere else. And that's because of the altitude. The majority of these people that have never smoked weed before are, are complete freaking lightweights. All right. Just, just complete freaking novices in this and should not without a wizard, you really need a wizard. I don't, I'm not talking Harry Potter. I'm just talking about <laughs> uh, you need a person who has already smoked weed in order and mar or marijuana in order to guide you through your first experience, because your first experience, and it shouldn't be done at a high altitude. You will get altitude sickness. 
And that's what I'm thinking the majority of this cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome is. I'm like, I can't believe you guys actually did it, given it, given it a scientific name. I'm like, you guys are just getting <laughs> altitude sickness for trying weed in the first time, and you're getting dizzy, and you're throwing up, and you're getting nauseous. Quit. What? You dumbass. Don't do that. And you need somebody <laughs> that guides you through it. So it's really funny to me. That, that that thing that it's coming out now that there's a whole bunch of people that are showing up and they're all newbies and that are that are like yeah this is the first time i smoked and you know and i, and I wanted to i'm on vacation and 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 they're in the emergency room i'm just like oh come on i need to find the wizard for california because california it's legal recreationally and you're not going to get you're not going to get altitude sickness unless you're up in like big bear or, or mammoth you're not gonna. I you're know, not gonna get altitude sickness. So you're at you're at sea level, dude. Go down to the beach I and you know. Edible, though. Smoke they a big edibles, old you got to be really careful with them because they can. Edible, get, oh yeah. no, edibles can be really powerful. That's why I'm saying you really need a guide. You need a wizard to guide you through it. Um, it, it you know, edibles can be extremely powerful because they're infused with th with marijuana. They're they're infused with it, which means they're they're basically injected with it so it, you can't you can judge it there's probably 10 to 20 milligrams per bite but you but you don't know where more of it got into than others and so you're going to have a, a little more of an effect if you're if you're biting into a 20 milligram bite so you yeah. really got to be careful on edibles and yeah, and, I was driving know, I, up one of the main drags in Palm Springs when I went there last year. I thought I'm going to do this. I'm going to try it and talk about it on the radio. And then I chickened out, and then my friend said, "Oh, I'm so glad you didn't, because <laughs> if you would have had too much of something, you would have had a real interesting show." But I want to try it this time when I go out in June. We'll see. I don't know if I'll try an edible, but I got to try something, just because I haven't done it that much. Um, I wanted to real quickly another nasty segue. Um, I, I don't know her name, but the activist that her body was found over the weekend in Columbus, Ohio, the one who's who's um, uh, the civil rights activist. I can't I can't remember her name, um, uh, but I her her uh, I can't believe you're not talking about this. You live there, right? I do not know about it, so I'm going to look it up. Real her quick. car we'll was found. It. Her car was found in the river. Amber last. Evans. Yeah. Her car was found in, in the river last week, and then her body was found just over the weekend. We will look into that. We have a lot to talk about tomorrow when you get to today. We have uh, the Trump trying to dismember Obamacare again through the courts this time. It, yeah, by the Mr. way, he's Connell not, he's not exonerated. He's not exonerated. This is, this is only Barr's uh, interpretation of the, uh, the, the freaking report. It's just his right. interpretation. I, I don't know this guy. I don't know if he's a genius. I don't know if he, he can actually comprehend anything that's in the report. I just know that he was given the job by, you know, orange supremacists in chief. So I, I just like, I don't understand why we're all listening to what the hell he's saying. It's just his interpretation of an FBI report. So let's well, just wait that's till our all whole this topic for tomorrow because we are out of time, my friend. But really? we have a lot to talk about tomorrow. Dude, so it was really cool. Tomorrow. It was really cool talking to Stan Zimmerman. I, I, I think his work is awesome. I think it was really, really cool for him. Yeah, big shout out. Thanks, Stan, for coming on. Anytime uh, you want to come back, please do check out his work. 
You can find Stan just about anywhere online. Just put in Stan Zimmerman or Zimmerman Stan. He has done such great uh, TV, television, movie, and stage work. Uh, thank you, Mr. Uh, Craig Hurley, for standing on the soapbox. As always. We'll be back tomorrow, 1 o'clock Pacific and 4 o'clock Eastern time right here. Stay tuned for the Left of Straight Show. Got two great new interviews coming up there. Thanks, my friend. Have a great night. Peace. Later, guys. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the Internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show. It is Tuesday, March 26, 2019. I am your host, Scott Fullerton. Thanks for listening in today. It's been a busy week already, and I'm getting ready for an even busier week next week when we launch the Big Gay Road Trip Indiegogo campaign for the Road to Palm Springs. And I have a slew of new interns starting for Left of Straight Radio and uh, doing some potential new shows of their own starting next week. So busy time here, Left to Straight family. Um, I'm only doing live openings for the show this week. We talked yesterday. Yesterday we had a special best of interviews with the lovely and talented Miss Coco Peru and the very talented dancer and choreographer Nick Lazzarini. I hope you enjoyed that yesterday. If you missed yesterday's episode or any episode, please go to your favorite podcast distributor Download and subscribe to get all the latest Left and Straight episodes. You can find me on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitchers, of course, here at Blog Talk Radio. Hit the little subscribe button. I really appreciate it greatly. In just a couple minutes, I have two all-new pre-taped interviews I did over the past couple weeks for you. Up first is the creator and cast of the New 30 web series. It was co-created by Walt Bost, and I have two of the leads, the very handsome Dewan Johnson and Dennis Mencia on. They're going to be talking all about the New 30 show. They had a fantastic first season. Guys, I am a web series god. You know that I love watching all these things. It has some of the best production values I've ever seen. And they are in the middle of fundraising for season two. So you need to go to Kickstarter, kickstarter.com, look, type in the new 30 and help raise money for this great second season for this series. We're going to talk all about it in just a couple seconds here. And then the circuit second hour, I had one of my personal treats. Uh, I'm bringing on the guest of Sirius XM radio. He's a host there and an entertainment weekly contributor Mr. Kyle Anderson, he's a fellow comic book nerd. He's hosted panels at Comic-Con. 
as well as doing his own radio hosting duties every day at 4 o'clock in the afternoon for Sirius Radio. Uh, We had a very fun chat, so be sure to listen to both those interviews coming up in just a little bit. I am going to get back at it and get to work for next week. Um, A couple of things in the news we want to talk about. We have to start with Jussie Smollett being exonerated of all 16 charges brought against him by a Chicago grand jury. Uh, He left his bond, the $10,000 bond he put up, so that kind of makes it. The whole thing still a little murky as to what's going on. But uh, he is totally exonerated. They, they took away the arrest, so that's not on his record anymore. He's been totally expunged. He left the $10,000 bomb. He left on his own free will. No more charges. Um, man, it was, it's, it was whiplash going back there from support to did he do this on purpose to support again. Uh, very, very interesting stuff. So I am just happy that it's worked out for him. He is an amazingly talented actor and singer. He has um, been a great mouthpiece for the community. We hope if there was anything shady going on that he has learned his lesson or is getting help for it. But congratulations to him for being totally exonerated. So we can't say anything went on. The, the Chicago PD chief and the mayor, Emmanuel, uh, Mayor Manuel um, aren't in agreement, but it is what it is. He is totally exonerated on all charges. So the justice system played out just like it did in the collusion, but I won't go there. That's my political show. Uh, Colorado seems to be the 16th state to ban the so-called conversion therapy. Of course, we know it's a widely debunked practice of trying to change a person's sexual and transgender gender identity. Uh, the practice used various forms of abuse. It's been down, denounced by most American psychological organizations as psychological torture. So we're trying to get this passed all over the country, but good on Colorado for becoming the 16th state to ban it. We need to ban this everywhere. Um, it'll go to the, it just needs to go through. It's been approved by both legislatures. Now the governor who is openly gay in Colorado, Jared Polis, he should be signing this into law very, very shortly. So I'm excited about that. Um, but then on the other side, we have a bill that would allow state licensed professionals to refuse to serve LGBTQ people if they cite their religion has advanced. Um, oh, man, this frustrates me to no end, guys. So the Texas legislature, uh, the Senate in there passed Senate Bill 17, that lets professionals, including doctors, lawyers, pharmacists, even barbers, if they have quote-unquote sincerely held religious beliefs to deny service to LGBT and other minorities. So hopefully this does not get out of from the Senate to the House and definitely is not signed by the um, Texas governor. But, man, from one thing to another, it doesn't get any better. Going back on the better side, though, Michigan is no longer going to allow faith-based adoption agencies to turn away same-sex couples. As part of a settlement in the lawsuit brought forth by the American Civil Liberties Union, the Attorney General for Michigan, uh, Dana Nessel, nixed a four-year-old law that banned adoption and foster care centers to discriminate in the name of their religious beliefs. So they won't be able to do that anymore after four years of fighting that out. So a lot of news to see in LGBT rights going back and forth all over the country. So going on like that. 
I want to let you get it right into these interviews, though, because I've, I'm really excited about to bring these to you. I'm going to be working on stuff for next week, so plan in being here next Monday and choose you a big announcements on the Big Gay Road Trip and on my new interns. I'll be introducing them to you. So have a great rest of the week, guys. Coming up here, uh, a couple great interviews. First, we're going to play a little bit of Matt Stern, um, one of my new favorite artists. And then we'll be back with the creators and cast of the new 30s. So here's one more night from Matt Stern. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on Left of Straight Radio Network. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? 
We're doing great. great. So good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming on. Well, I appreciate. Thanks for that awesome intro too. I'm going to steal some of that. <laughs> ah, no problem. It's all yours. We've been trying to get this happen for a while as we get this uh, Kickstarter kicked off. So I'm glad we were able to yes, find sir. some time to all get together. I've enjoyed the series immensely. Like I said, it's probably I've kind of been known as the king of web series on my radio show for the last four years. I've had. Mm-hmm. Every web series, every LGBT <laughs> known to man come on. And really, the the detail, the, the shot, your sound background comes in so well. It's just, it's amazing work, guys. You should all be very proud. And I can't wait for season two. Woohoo! Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thanks. Thanks so much. We worked really, everybody worked their butts off. And we worked really hard to, you know, make something really professional and, you know, something that would have some impact. So hopefully, hopefully we'll get to do it again. Is there any way that I could uh, pay you to walk around and make that announcement or that, you know, before I walk into rooms or anything? Because you're really good <laughs> at it. I mean, like, this is the one. And just say all of that wonderful stuff before I come into a room. <laughs> yeah, nice. Well, I, I will I will get my megaphone and head out to L.A. and we'll have to get off the street. Who needs Wonder Woman on Sunset and Hollywood Boulevard? It'll be me and you, Don. We'll just walk around. And, I'm in. I'm in, man. <laughs> well, I'm glad to have you guys on. It's your first time, so let's do a little background first. I want each of you to take a second. Give me a little background, where you grew up, what kind of a kid were you, and what you want to be when you grow up. Uh, Walt, let's start with you. Um, I grew up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and went to school at UNC Chapel Hill, where my parents went. And so I'm a big Tar Hill fan, and um, my father was a dentist, and uh, but he was also a photographer. So I always had an interest in photography, and he got me a Super 8 camera when I was really young, so I was always messing around with that and um but i actually when i went to college i wasn't sure what i wanted to do i was going to major in business and i kind of bounced around a little bit and then i fell into film and radio and television most pictures is what it was called then and so i decided that hit everything you know pretty much what i was interested in and um so i majored in that and then i moved out to la a couple years after graduating i had made a feature film upon graduation in north carolina uh and then i moved out here um, so, and, uh, then I kind of was involved in independent production and then I kind of fell into doing post-production sound and, uh, got, that got me into the union and it also enabled me to meet a lot of producers and other actors and I just kept, kind of kept doing it and, um, then, you know, that kind of led me to making short films and things and, and then having the post-production background and it, enabled me to kind of make sure they were as good as I could make them. And then uh, I guess that kind of led me here to this web series in a way. There you go. Living the dream from the beginning. No Radio Shack or McDonald's <laughs> in the past. I'm I'm impressed. I did. There I worked go. at a dessertery cafe, a dessert cafe. That's kind of what I remembered in the food food world, and then I knew I did not want to do that <laughs> anymore. So, Smart man. Uh, yeah. I love it. And Duan, what about you? Uh, same question. Where did you grow up? What kind of kid were you? And what do you want to be when you grew up? 
Oh, I love it. I love this one. Um, you know, I grew up in Miami, Florida, on a place um, called Homestead Air Force Base, which is no longer there. If you keep up with the hurricanes that come through, <laughs> that come through Florida, yeah. so it got wiped, it got wiped out by Hurricane Andrew. I think it's still there a little bit, but not like active um, for um, civilians. I guess they would call it. Um, so I, I grew up there, and I was like a little kid that. You know, I think we were, uh, you watch some of the OBHSs now. I was always one of those kids that was putting on a show or, um, you know, it, it's kind of cliche to think like, oh, I used to put on shows in my backyard. But, no, I really used to love a camera from when I was very, very small. And, it, it, you know, it, it's kind of, luckily my acting ability or, or style has changed a lot. And I would like to say from then when I saw those tapes, I, 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 I'm a little better. I'm a little better. You know, still the same hand. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. You know, nice. A little bit. I think we need know, to see those I, tapes. We need to know those tapes. Exactly. Never, <laughs> never, you know, funny. Uh, I'm, I, I'm so happy we we didn't live in an age of cell phone cameras back then because, you know, we really have to work hard to get those tapes, but, you know, instead of them just living somewhere in the ether, yeah. you know, uh, right, uh, right. that's really good. But I was, I was a, um, I was a, besides that, I was also like a comic book nerd kid, you know, my first job at the age of, I don't know, 15, I think it was uh, 14 or 15 was working in a comic book store for store credit. Uh, I didn't really get money because I think I was uh, it was you too young you couldn't have a job then but I used to work and you know put their comic books away and I loved every minute to this day it probably still is my my favorite job that I've ever had because it was low pressure and I got to like you know read comics and get them and stuff like that so um, but as life hands you with your 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 family and stuff like that when I wanted to grow up, I always thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Get that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Come to find out, my mom planted that in my head when I was young, very young. You're going to be a lawyer. You're going to be a lawyer <laughs> when you grow up. And <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I didn't realize that, but when I went to college at University of Florida, sorry about your tar people, um, um, Walt. Well, <laughs> um, I believe we're ranked number three. You got well, to the, the, really the tar people. The tar people, <laughs> right? Um, um, but when I went to college, I realized that I did not want to be a lawyer. It sounded, you know, just something like I didn't want to do. But I realized, and I told my mom, Mom, I could play a lawyer on TV and make a lot more money. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It, but we're still working on it. We're still working on her as we go. So those are my answers. Well, you're a lawyer. You're a lawyer in new thirties, so that you, you made it there that way. So mom's got to be. Well, he was one. <laughs> exactly, he was one. He was one. He got fired. He was fired. Though. Yeah. So. He's trying to find out what he wants part to be. The most exciting part of this interview for me so far is just to hear you laugh, Dewan. I think I counted you smiling seven times in the entire series, <laughs> and I don't think you laughed once. I'm trying to remember. But uh, I'm glad yeah. things are looking up here. Dennis, let's move on. Let's talk about you for a second. Um, where did you grow up, and what kind of kid were you, and what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about me. Um. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. 
Picture this, Honduras, 1984. It was a steamy, hot Tuesday night. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> now, Golden Girls, Golden Girls Scott, 101 Scott. on the Left of Straight show. Here we go. Scott, he's already, no. he's already told two lies. He said he was born in 1984. That's, That's a right. lie. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was 86, guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, no, but I, was, I, was, I was born in Honduras, and um, my family and I moved uh, to Miami. So I grew up in Miami and um, come from a very large family. And um, growing up, I always wanted to be an actor. But, you know, being from a very traditional family, I felt like, you know, I had to go to college and, 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 and do all of that. So, so that's exactly what I did. I went to college, you know, uh, got a degree. Uh, I worked in the, in, in, in the corporate world for about two years and then, I realized that that it, it wasn't for me. That it's not what made me happy. So, decided to start uh, pursuing acting, and um, I started doing Spanish soaps, and uh, and that was fun. And um, I've been in LA for about seven years now, pursuing this, pursuing oh, acting. Yeah, that's Check awesome. Check out the nice, simple, short. <laughs> now do it. True, because they've called you out as a liar already. But I'm going to pretend that's all true. Then I like it. I like it. We're going to go. It is true. It is true. Don't li- don't listen to them. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad learning. Got a little Scott. background. Good to know a little more about you. Um, one of the great things about the new 30 is such a diversity in cast. Um, we have gay characters. We have ally characters. We have some fun characters. Um, what is each of your guys' relationship to the LGBT community? Well. Oh gosh, uh, meaning exactly? Can you clarify that meaning, question meaning, a little bit? Yeah. Part, um, do you identify as part of the community, part of an ally? What drew you to work oh, on project? Oh, is, oh, how I identify? Um, yeah. Well, I will. I will answer the question. Uh, uh, I'm gay, uh, so I'm definitely a part of the community, and. Um, uh, I guess I didn't. Interesting enough, growing up, like I didn't really fit in anywhere, and I didn't. I didn't know I was gay, so I didn't really find out that out until college. So um, it was kind of a late yeah, thing for me. And um, but I, I feel like I still don't really fit in anywhere. I, I mean, I don't. Uh, and I kind of wanted to do a show that represented people that I knew in the gay community, friends of mine that have been through things that really I didn't see their stories told on screen. And I didn't see these characters that I know. Uh, they tend, when I, when I found gay material and stuff, I just kind of found it was generally the same kind of stuff over and over. And I just felt like I want to show, you know, my friends and people that I know that I don't see um, a lot. So I tried to create characters that were just like really just people, number one, you know, um, they just happen to be gay, and uh, but I just wanted to kind of show that there are a, a huge variety of, you know, gay folk, and uh, you know, we don't all fit in boxes, and um, so I guess that's my answer. I love that. Well, well done, and Dwan. Thank you. Sorry, I was on mute there. I was making sure that uh, Walt got that long answer out. Like, oh, thank you. <laughs> 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 I was just being quiet there. <laughs> for that. Okay. You know, just, just keep putting you know, it back as, on mute. As, as, as me as a wonderful actor, I think I, I identify with this uh, with the community as any way they want me to identify. Ally, 
you know, one day I can be whatever you you need me to be to for this right. role, for this part, for this series, for future stuff. So, you know, I think I, I fit in that way wherever you want me to fit in there. How, how about that for an answer? That's a good answer, too. Well I love it. I like it. Very good. I like it. <laughs> Mr. Dennis? No, I'm just I'm the same way, you know. I'm you know whatever helps me identify or just connect with people, and I feel like at the end of the day, you know, I'm just Dennis, and um, and I connect with that. <laughs> and, uh, and Scott, I'll, I'll I'll let me let me jump in for a second, Duan. You can press mute. Mute. Um, I think when I was <laughs> casting when I was casting the show, I I have a fantastic casting director. Uh, her name is Msadania, and she got me these these awesome people, uh, awesome actors. Um, I told her like I don't care, like for me, and I know it's a you know there's a lot of speak around this right now, but I for me it's like who's the best actor? You know I don't care if they're gay, straight, whatever. Um, it's like who's the best actor for the role? Who's who's gonna you know who's gonna Bring it, bring it out from my what I wrote on the page, you know, and make it something even better. And you know, it's just, that's all that I I cared about. I don't don't honestly don't care what you know someone's sexual orientation is or whatever. So, um, and that's that's kind of I think of that's like important. I mean, like I said, I I talk to a lot of creators, a lot of actors on the show, and I've had this debate a bit. Um, but I think it's very true. You're you're casting for a role, and you're casting for the best actor on the creative side. And I don't want to, I don't really care what anyone's background is. That's the whole goal of our LGBT community is to just be people. We're not, right. we're not trying to be the LGBT community. We're trying to be the community at large. We're all the same people, um, straight, gay, trans, whatever it happens right. you to be. You want to be able to play whatever, right? You want. Yeah. Labels yeah. are, labels are not. And I don't think we need to have that. I, it's, I just like to kind of ask it on the show just to kind of get an idea, because sure. a lot of people, I, and especially we have people like Duan and Dennis, I get all these guys that have crushes on all my people I have on the show, <laughs> so I try to let it go up front so they know here. <laughs> try to get that out of the way. So uh, pretty soon we're going to have all, so. all the fanboys <laughs> writing to these guys and going, wait a second, we got the kids at home. Oh, wow. they don't want... <laughs> no, wow, that's you great, tell them. I, love I love that it's a colorblind cast. I mean, you have great diversity through ethnicities. You have great diversity in all of your actors and all of the characters for the show. And that's one of the things I think resonates on it and makes it so powerful and so believable because it is this amalgamation of people um, just getting by in their forties. And I think it's, it's just so right. true to the concept. Fantastic. Right. I, yeah. I just want to be, I just want to be clear also that, you know, just because they're getting along their 40s doesn't mean I'm 40. You know, I, it's like one time and one, <laughs> well, it's, well, it's no. one time and, and I remember, I, I'm just, you know, no, 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 you know, I've got, now who's I just lying, want man. to add, yeah, like, right. now who's lying, right? Acting, <laughs> acting boys, it's all good, it's just it's acting. No, they're all, you know they're actors, Scott, right? They're actors, so let's remember that. <laughs> you know, I, I, we, we oh, are, you know, but I, I will say this, I auditioned for, I had an audition um, that came up for a, um, for gosh, I don't know how much I can say about this, but like for a, uh, in the superhero world uh, that was for a drag queen. And as, as, as for, out of respect for people who do do 
you know, who are drag queens and, you know, they are those performance artists. Like, I said no to not because, you know, they should cast the best person, but I also think there's a little bit of, like, there are people out there that do this really well. You know what I mean? Why don't we go out and tap into that pool a little bit first before we tap into the pool that are non-people that are putting on? So I do understand your question, but, you know, I think it can right. run the gamut of, you know, each one of these might be a different um, uh, case-by-case scenario is what I'm I agree with sure. I agree with that too no, I agree with that that's a great point that's a great point I, I love that and it's like I said the, the community is all different we all we're all everybody's a little different and that's what makes it great so that's what I love about it now talk cool. about the creation of this um well you and uh, John how do I pronounce his name Sobrak uh so Sobrak he's my Sobrak, co-creator okay. co, co-writer so mm-hmm. you guys co-create co-write co-direct do the whole fun things um Talk about the ideas and how this came together and how long of a project was this to get off the ground. Sure. Um, well, actually, I, I came up with the the genesis of the idea because um, I was just looking. I was writing a couple scripts, a couple feature scripts at the time. I just really wasn't feeling like like they were really going anywhere and I really wanted to do something I was passionate about and I I was online and I was looking at gay web series online and I was just kind of underwhelmed by what was out there and I so I and I was going through a lot of personal stuff at the same time and so I had this idea and I went to John because John's a fellow filmmaker um who I respect and he's a very talented writer and he has a lot of skills that I don't possess as a writer and so I went with went to him um, and pitched him the idea, and then he was interested, so we developed it together. And then we decided to write the pilot, uh, just the pilot, and uh, we just self-funded that, and we made it because um, we just wanted to see if it was going to work or not. We just wanted to see if it would come out. If we thought, yeah, this would this could work as a series. It was, and, and it was always intended to be a six-episode series, but we didn't we didn't want to make them all. We just wanted to make the first one. And so we did that, and it, it just turned out, and we thought, yeah, we got some here. So we did a Kickstarter for the rest of the first season one, which was five more episodes. So we did a Kickstarter campaign, raised the money, and then we shot that. And then John kind of dropped back and decided he just kind of wanted to stay on the writing side. So I kind of took the reins, um, and then my friend uh, David Long, who's also the composer for the series, he kind of stepped up a little bit um, and helped me kind of piece together the the Kickstarter, and we raised the money, and then we ended up directing five of the, well, yeah, four of the five other episodes of the series, and my producer directed one, and he was also my, at the time I was working on the show iZombie for the CW, and he was my producer on the CW uh, on that show, and so he came came helped me out a great deal with post production. So he he I let him direct an episode as well, and then um, and then we kind of you know that's how season one got made, uh, and then nice. it was a long kind of journey to where it is now, which is on YouTube. Um, it's been on there for about a year, and we did the film, film festival thing. Um, we just got nominated for three indie series awards, uh, and which happened in April. And then we actually, actually, um, well, in on Wednesday, <laughs> uh, we'll or we'll be we'll find out if we get nominated for an Emmy. Uh, so, fingers crossed for that. Um, but uh, it's been a good. Just make sure you did your submissions right. That was that big controversy last year when 
Uh, yeah, yeah, there's some uh, stuff. Well, it was interesting. One one web series got disqualified uh, during the right. process of this year. But um, so some great things have happened, and the feedback we've gotten has been pretty amazing. And um, we decided to, you know, people wanted to see another another wanted to see these characters and where they were going, and we wanted to do a better, you know, richer, you know, more involved season two. And so we're we decided to go for it. So here we are with our Kickstarter campaign presently uh, out for season two. So hopefully we can raise money and we'll we'll shoot another another six episodes. So there you go. That's the plan. We'll talk about that in just a second. I like that plan a lot, guys. Um, Juwan and Dennis, talk to me about how this project came to you. Um, what was your ideas going in, and how has it been for a project for you guys? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> the one. <laughs> um, no, well, I, I I got the audition through my my manager, and um, when I read it, I I, I wasn't sure about it because uh, I, I had never done anything uh, uh, with a gay theme, and especially with with uh-huh. my background. So so I was a little skeptical about even going for the audition, and but she convinced me, and so I went and. Um, then I, I I went for a callback, met met uh, Walt and John and, and yeah and and that's how it happened for me. Very cool. And uh, Duan, how did you how did you get the script? How did that come apart with you? I'd have to say it was a little bit similar to uh, you know Dennis uh, coming through, um, and you know it came across uh, there was no qualms about doing it at all. You know the theme was the theme. I just wanted to make sure. I have a thing about just anything I do. I want to make sure, like, I'm not – there's no nudity, uh, um, uh, gratuitous nudity, or, you know, just all that stuff taken off your shirt. But I just want to make sure that it is something that I can be proud of, that I want to show my kids, right. you know, that they can see and stuff. And so – you know, long as – and listen, I'm down for a sex scene, Walt, <laughs> as you saw. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> I just want to make sure that it is it, – it, it's tasteful. You know what I mean? Or if it's not tasteful, it adds to the story somehow. And so I, was, I didn't have any real big problem when the audition came through. I was actually kind of excited because, you know, uh, reading what I did read of, of the script, it, you know, he, it, it's, it's an awesome lead, and it's a great story you know, telling about friends in their 40s and what happens, because I think a lot of stuff right now or when we shot this was geared towards, um, and I love them, but was geared towards our <laughs> younger demographic. You know what I mean? Millennials, so, say it. Millennials. Millennials. <laughs> but, you know, and again, I just want to be clear to everybody listening to this, I'm not copying to being older, but I did want to make sure that... Uh, <laughs> I just did want to make sure that that demographic was taken care of. So I was pretty excited right. to <laughs> jump in and say, you know, uh, to, to, to uh, rep it that way. There you go. I feel the publicist is across the coffee table from Duan all of a sudden. We have to make sure we get our agent. <laughs> I am not 40 years old. And this is <laughs> I love it. I, I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> it was. It was some inspired casting. Go back to the second, and I think as far as sex scenes go, um, I'm kind of good friends with uh, Chuck Sakula, who you did Raymond the Painter. Oh uh, yeah, 
That was one of the funniest mm-hmm. scenes. I think you guys pulled that <laughs> off so good. I don't know how you kept a straight face through all that, but that was pretty funny, Juan. <laughs> I love that scene. I I love Chuck. If you if you've just you've just moved up like twenty notches on my you know um, in my mind because Chuck is is one of the best guys I have probably met you know on this earth. And I asked Walt at some point. I said, "Is there any way that we can bring him back?" Because working yes, with him was what, one, of, one of the things, you, as an actor, you want to work with people who are safe, meaning that, like, you trust, that you um, right. that are also great, great actors, um, that uh, bring it. And I, he brought it not only in, uh, in the bedroom scene, but also <laughs> he brought it in the cafe scene. And I thought uh, Elliot's, Elliot's um, just romance and attraction there was was really great, um, and so I, I love Chuck. You're 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 aces in my book now, um, and you know <laughs> don't that's it. <laughs> no, it was a great scene, and Chuck is a great guy. He's a fantastic actor. A lot of web series I've talked to before. We got to know yeah. each other through that, and he is a fantastic person. So, but that was a, that was a great scene. And go back to that casting because I want to I want you to reiterate. You went through a casting company, but what kind of final say did you have in this? Um, Walt, because it's, I love that it's colorblind. I love that it's like right. you can tell the ages are different. It's forties, and they don't definitely don't sure. look the age. Um, but it's just it was some great casting. Talk about how the casting came about. Well, um, I've known uh, my my casting director Imsad. I've I've known her for several years, um, and uh, I just trust her immensely. And once I you know gave her the scripts and told her the roles, I mean she went out and did a bunch of you know kind of pre uh, stuff, early stuff, and and then I John and I came in for the callbacks, and um, I think uh, I will say. Going in, um, I, 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 it was a must for me to have an African American male lead in the show. That was just, I had to have one. I, I did not. Everything I saw, honestly, was just so white. You know, everything just is just always white shows, and I just said. I want this to be different. Um, there needs to, you know, the, I, I want the lead to be African American, and um, it was tough. I knew it was going to be tough to find, honestly, because we weren't paying a lot of money. You know, we didn't have a lot of money, and it is a web series, right. so you're, you've kind of got two strikes already against you trying to find, you know, a really good actor. And I know I needed a really, really strong actor to pull this off because Elliot is a very flawed character. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it was, sometimes it's, it, I knew it was going to be hard for him to be likable. And so I really needed, you know, a great actor. And, um, so I was, but I, I, we went, John and I went in totally, you know, other than that, we were like, we don't care. We don't have these preset ideas on, you know, this is a white guy, this is whatever it, it, it so we were open to everything and, and Sada really brought, a wide variety of folks and um, surprised us with some choices. And um, ultimately we just decided, you know, who is the best actor? And, and, and luckily we just had uh, a really unique, um, you know, cast. And uh, I want, I did want to have a diverse cast. I mean, that was really important. Uh, I, I wanted to just have, I wanted to showcase that honestly, because uh, I think that's just really important. Uh, and like I said, most of the stuff I saw was just kind of similar. Uh, so, right. and we just like we just honestly we lucked out, 
getting the guys that we did and the people that we did. Because um, it's, it's just hard when, when you know, it's a, it's a gay-themed you know, show. Uh, it is a web series. We don't have a lot of money. So, so it's really tough to find strong actors who are willing to put themselves out there because, you know, some people don't want to be pigeonholed um, as a gay actor, you know, or performing gay roles. And so um, it was tricky, but we just, we just, with her help, you know, we really, but I had the, John and I had the final say. Uh, she would make re- recommendations, but it was up to us. It, she would never say this person or this person. It was up to us, and so we decided we both had to agree in the end on on who got the part. Um, right. So that's, that's kind of how it casting. all went. I got to say, everyone did an amazing role. I thought, and like you said, you have um, Duan's character is is kind of a damaged character, and, kind of, and you have. Uh, Dietrich Gray was amazing as Reed because that that guy is not a load of sunshine either. And they really <laughs> brought – you guys all really brought your A-game and making the characters full-bodied, and I thought that was amazing. Talk about this. Most web series are – especially first seasons are three to six minutes, um, shoestring of a budget, and six to seven episodes – you guys did six, almost 15 minutes, uh, average almost 15 minutes in all your episodes. That's almost an hour and a half full-length movie. Talk right. about what that was like to shoot. How did the whole production come together like that? And like you said, the production uh, value was amazing. Oh, uh, thanks. Um, that was really important to me. I, I just I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be something like, say, if you, you could see it on Netflix or Amazon Prime or, you know, even HBO or Showtime. That's the kind of quality I was going for, and I know that would be tough because usually you need a lot of money to do that. Had a really great um, DP, uh, obviously, um, and we shot on some great cameras, some Black Magic cameras. But um, it was uh, it was basically like shooting a feature film. Uh, you had an, it was like you said, it's about an hour and a half if you binge it. And um, the I knew ultimately it was it was kind of hard to decide. John and I had to decide like how long do we want these episodes. What it, what's you know most people's attention span? It's not very long, so we knew we didn't want them super short, but we, did, we didn't want these long, uh, these super long episodes because people lose you know they lose interest easily, and plus it, it's it's harder, it's more to shoot and more to do. So we kind of settled on, or we first we kind of around 10 minutes, and they just ended up being around 15. But um, I had a, a great AD. Uh, who came on and helped to break down the script, and we just we show so we shot eight days over a ten day period, and we just cross blocked, which means uh, on every day we were shooting scenes from different episodes, so everybody had to be on their toes and had to know their stuff because the actors were just performing scenes from different episodes, you know, back to back and wearing different clothes, and they had to know where they were where they had been and what was going on in the story and where they were, you know. Um, with relationships, and so it was really tricky. It was really tough to do. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a really, it's a really big challenge to pull off, um, you know, a, that much material and and make it look good. But uh, everybody just really stepped up, and and we had fun doing it. Um, but it was a lot of work. It was, it was a lot of work. But everybody just was a pro. Um, I mean, that's the great thing about getting really talented actors is they're they're professional. Um, and so 
you know, we just we just tried to make it as creative as we could with the money we had, and um, and get it in the can, and and then you know you just hope for the best in at the end. And uh, luckily, like I said, I work in post production, so you know, spending money on post, good post production is is important. And luckily, I had friends who did a lot of favors, so you know you can you can improve things a lot in post uh, if you do it right. So um, it all just kind of came together. Uh, but it was tough. It, it's basically like making a feature. Sure. And Duan and Dennis, I want to talk to you guys. You guys have both aspects of it. You're both actors. You both have soap backgrounds, so you're used to learning lots of dialogue and doing things quickly. But you've also been behind the scenes. Duan, you did your uh, My Life with Boys, and Dennis, you worked with Entanglements and Heartbroken. Talk about your guys' perspective, both as actors in front of the camera and doing this, all learning how to do this so quickly, and what it was like with your perspective being uh, directors, producers, writers yourselves. Juan? Go for it, Dennis. Oh, oh, Dennis. Ah. oh no, Dennis. <laughs> Go for it, Dennis. <laughs> Go for it. I feel, like, I feel like I hadn't heard from Dennis in a while, so I wanted to let him take the lead on this one. Go, D. Okie dokie. Mm-hmm. You're right. Okay. You're right. We, we haven't heard from me in a minute. So, um, <laughs> but, um, you know, <laughs> As an actor, I you know I'm always fascinated every time I, I'm working on on something new. It's an opportunity to tap into the humanity of of like you know these characters, and so so that has always been great for me. And and that's one of the things that I love about uh, doing what I do. Like I just, I just love the, the 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 human aspect of of you know working on characters. And when I had the time, uh, the opportunity to actually work on, on on entanglements it was so much work <laughs> and <laughs> i had no idea it was going to be that much work and and because now it's not just you know responsible for just a character but just responsible for everything and so it, okay. it was so overwhelming the, the the amount of work and and and, and but i also loved it is it's very creative too and um at first when i when I first did it, I didn't think it was going to be. I just saw it as a lot of work, but but it's it's, it's really creative too. You know what happens behind behind cameras, and um, it was a great experience for me. I don't think I will do it again anytime soon hmm. because I I definitely enjoy more um, portraying the, the, these characters, and and I and I have so much respect for people who um, you know direct and and produce because it it is a lot of work, and yeah, and so. Yeah, right. but I I loved it and it was a great experience. Good, that's fantastic, Duan. You know, I, I uh, it's very interesting. You know, going into the show, I've, I've worked um, um, a little bit. Um, if you follow me on any of my things, uh, social media and stuff like that, and so going into this project, I have I had a a a, a, a big awareness that you know, um, I was number one on the call sheet. And so I try to always set the, the tone of the show. If, you know, I feel like if, if, if I'm an ass, you know, if I, or if I come in and I'm not like, you know, great, or I'm not off book, or if I'm not pleasant, then that kind of like filters out to everyone, you know? And so I, I tried to make sure that I came on set every day, even no matter what my mood was, bringing my A game, knowing all of my material, you know, not like ad-libbing, but, but, you know, being open to if I, you know, had to, 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 to ad-lib. Um, so it was, it was like a great experience uh, for me in that world because 
I think I shot, and while I'm, I don't, I'm, I don't mm-hmm. fully remember. It's a couple years ago, but I think I, if we shot for 14 days, which is not what we did, if we shot for 14 days. I was on set for 13 of those shooting days. You know what I mean? And so I think I was just not in one day when one or two. I think there was there. one day you weren't you weren't there. Yeah. Yeah. One and day, so, and know, that was a good day imagine? when you weren't there. That was really good. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, the hey, shade you, of it. The shade, yeah, the, the shade of it. Hey, well, you just remember that we're coming up to another shoot here when we get, you know, funded on our Kickstarter, which you guys can go ahead and go to our page right you now. Know, and, uh, you know, I'm kidding. <laughs> wink, wink. But you just, wink, you wink. just remember this time around. I can flip tables. I can. <laughs> yeah, I now you know, know everything. I can have you do more work now in front of the camera. Right. And it, yeah. It, 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 but it, 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 Scott, I, I think it's it's very important that you know, like I think that every actor kind of brings their A game when you have such such a small amount of time to shoot a lot, and they want you know um, Walt wanted to get a lot, but also you know just. You know, I think Walt uh, Dennis can say, like, you know, he came on to the project afterwards, you know, after we'd already been cast. And I was just like, listen, I want to make sure we connect so we can keep moving. So I guess you could say I took a little bit of ownership of, like, I want to make sure this is great, too, because my name is behind this mm-hmm. as right. well. Um, yeah. And, and, and right. it, it meant a lot to and me. I was and great. it still does. <laughs> um, and and, and on, the flip, on the flip side of that, I would say – that it's been it's been amazing for me to um to direct and to um you know executive produce my own stuff and you know other people's work with them on other stuff um i love kind of love being on this side of the camera as well i get to see a lot and i think it was just a natural progression for me to direct something or um you know shadow one of the directors on my current show as well, so I I would honestly I'm I'm looking forward to the next opportunity where I get to do it again. That is amazing. And you guys have both had some amazing pro- projects. I mean, we haven't talked about them, but Duan uh, Bosch is amazing. You've done Grey's Anatomy, two of my favorite series or Suits and Agent Carter. You've got to guest on those, um, and it's it's a big difference going from shows like that to doing web series. And you guys. Uh, it shows on the screen you guys are giving A games all the way around. Uh, I think Jane the Virgin is one of the best shows that I I love that Dennis and Stitcher is another Thank one you. of my favorite things. And believe it or not, I got into Telemundo soaps. I have a good friend Katie Barberi, that's a huge uh, soap opera novella girl. Mm-hmm. Do you know Katie at all? Uh-huh. No, no, no. Well, she's she's done a lot of great soaps for Telemundo. And all those things. So she kind of got me caught on those, and it's pretty funny um, that we get to go. So you guys have done some amazing projects, and just to see the the talent go, stay consistent. There's no phoning it in. Everyone's great from behind the scenes and front of the scenes. It makes it really appreciated to watch, especially um, people like me who love entertainment so much. So really, thank you guys for all that. It's really great. Thank you. Let's go ahead and jump in. We just got a couple minutes left here. I want to jump into the Kickstarter campaign so we can get season two funded. Yes. Um, what was the decision to go Kickstarter as opposed to Indiegogo? Because this is an all or nothing campaign. The right. Kickstarter is a little bit different where if you don't get the whole nine yards, you don't get any of it. Indiegogo, you get partial. Talk about right. what made you do that leap of faith. 
Sure. Um, well, I think, uh, you know, the fact that we did Kickstarter to begin with for season one, uh, that was a big reason, honestly, because we had proof that we had done the job that, you know, people donated, you know, we had done what we said we were going to do. Uh, and you could go see it you can, right now. If you go to Kickstarter and you look up new 30 and you'll see your season two campaign, well, you can go to YouTube and watch season one right now. So you can see what, you know, what it's going to look like. You can see uh, what the show's like, and you can see if you're interested. Um, so there's proof. So it didn't make sense to me to jump to a different uh, crowdfunding site like Indiegogo or anything like that, uh, just because, you know, Kickstarter is where I was successful. Um, and I also, to me, as I've donated to other Kickstarter and other crowdfunding event, uh, things, and I think it's important that, you know, if I'm donating money, I want to know that the person has some responsibility. So if they make their goal, you know, they're they like they, I know that like oh okay, they're gonna they're gonna follow through. And I think with the other websites, with the other crowdfunding sites, um, if someone just gets whatever you know they get whatever they get, how do I know that this person's gonna follow through? You know, what are they gonna do with the money? They didn't get all their money, so how are they gonna you know follow through with their project? Good point. And so for me, and that's just based on my personal preference like uh i want it, i think i want people to know that you know if i get the goal i'm going to follow through i'm going to do i'm going to do what i said i was going to do um and and i also like the ability to say you know if we get let's say it's a couple of days or a day before the thing expires ours expires april 9th if we're close it's a good marketing tool just to say hey guys we are so close to our goal and this is serious because if we don't make it like if we're five dollars short we don't get anything, and we don't get to make a season two. So it's a good way to inspire people to be invested in your project because they want, you know, people want to see you succeed. And I think when you, especially when you have proof that um, of what I think is is a really good web series, uh, you know, it, it it helps when you can show them that, and they they're more invested in it, and they go, wow, I'm, okay, I've donated. You know, I'm going to donate ten more bucks because I really want these guys to succeed, and they're so close, and it's terrible if you you do all this work and you you plan all this and then you don't get it so um i just prefer kickstarter honestly um and i also think it has a most people know kickstarter i don't feel like the other ones are as well known um so it just made sense to to go with them again and plus and honestly doing a kick doing any crowdfunding <laughs> it it takes a lot of work to set it up uh, yeah. If you want, you know, if you go to our page, like we shot a video, we tried to make it as professional as we could, um, and uh, and, it, and that's just a lot of work. And I, I since we had been through it, I knew what it took, so I didn't have to learn a different, you know, a different, a different website the way they did their crowdfunding. So it just all it just all made sense to stay with Kickstarter, um, and it also spurs me knowing that hey, if we don't make it, we get nothing. It, it it puts the fire under my butt to push and do everything I can so we can you, we can make the goal. So nice. And uh, Duan and Dennis, if you guys got to see it, it says there that we have six scripts ready to go, pretty much. Have you guys <laughs> got a sneak into what your characters might be happening to you guys in season two? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to talk about this question. I'm a little bit upset about it, to be honest. You know, <laughs> you know that. You know, so this is a this is a sore spot for us. All I can give you are this: make sure you work out 
make sure you, um, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, the the first the first uh, episode might have a swimsuit. I don't know. You know, so I, don't, I don't I don't want you to think that I'm um I'm not happy about it, but I'm not pleasant about it. <laughs> but uh nobody nobody knows anything. John and I don't share. The only thing we did share was that each episode is based on a holiday. Mm. Oh, so, okay. Oh, so, I like yes. that. That's so, a um, new information. Yeah. Yes. That's a rent that's a little rent esque. I like that. Rent yeah, that yeah. Is. It's it's a we we pretty excited about where the show goes. It's gonna be bigger, it's gonna be better, it's gonna be more complicated. Um uh you know, we wanted to challenge ourselves and we wanted to challenge the actors and um we're gonna expand the cast. And um, it's, you know, I really, really hope we can do it. I hope people will go and check it out and check out season one on YouTube. And if you like what you see, you know, please uh, donate. And there are some great rewards. We have some really cool perks that you can get with donations. Um, We tried to come up with really unique artistic, a lot of artistic uh, rewards. Um, So, you know, I hope people will go check it out. Dude, you've gone above and beyond. You've gone from friendship bracelets to pole dancing to being on a radio show. I mean, you've covered the gamut, my friend. That's we have a little bit of everything, uh, you know. We, we tried to be creative. It's not just a mug or a hat or anything like that, you know. We tried to we tried to really um, tried to be creative and 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 uh, make it interesting for folks. Um, so you not only feel good about helping, you know, um, voices come out and and be put out there and helping someone's dream, but you get something, you get something cool as well. Nice. All right, guys, we got to wrap this up. I've kept you for an hour. I appreciate your time, Dennis. Do me a favor and let all my listeners know where they can follow you on your social media. And do you have a website or anything? Uh, I'm on, on on Facebook as Dennis Mencia and on Instagram as it is I Dennis. Very cool. And Duan? You know, it's the same. I, I, I kind of like just have taken my name on all social media platforms. So if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Duan Johnson, uh, Instagram at Duan Johnson, Facebook at Duan Johnson, um, website at Duan Johnson, because um, I am the Duan Johnson. <laughs> There you go, the <laughs> put the in front of it now, and uh, for, so let everyone know where they can find the uh, website for the series. Walt, and that sure. has all the links to the Kickstarters and everything else, and uh, Facebook. Sure, and you, all can, that. you everybody can just go to uh, the new thirty series dot com, and that's thirty three zero. So it's the new thirty series dot com. It has um, that's our main website, and it has links to the Kickstarter. Or you can go to Kickstarter and just look up the new thirty. Uh, we're also on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and it's at the new thirty series. So follow us on there for updates and information. And you can send us questions. You can you know do whatever. But um, yeah, everything's the new thirty series. So. Terrific. Well, gentlemen, thanks for taking an hour out of your day. I know you guys are all busy you. Uh, on your other projects, but we need to get this made. You guys have done uh, Larry work on the new 30. Thanks so much. i got to give a big big thanks to Dewan Johnson, Dennis <laughs> Mencia, and, of course, Walt Boss. You guys have been fantastic. Thanks for being on the Left of Straight show tonight, guys. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Scott.
Thank you so much, man. All right. It's been a, been a pleasure. Stay on the line for me. We're going to play out okay. with a little bit of Steve Grand, Not the End of Me. We're going to make this not the end of the new 30. You guys, donate to this Kickstarter. We'll be talking about it on social media. The next couple of weeks, there's two weeks left for you to be a part of this. You're listening to Left to Straight Show. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Would love to meet up 
unafraid Learn to love what I am made Maybe someday All righty, we are back. Guys, my next guest hasn't necessarily written the book on pop culture, but he has written a magazine article or 10 for the great Entertainment Weekly. He can be heard on their Sirius XM channel 105, where he hosts Up All Afternoon, every afternoon, Monday through Friday. And also my personal favorite, the Superhero Insider. He also the Nerdist, so many great places. He's a fantastic ally to the community, and I really appreciate the chance to nerd out with him a little bit over something he does just about every day of the week. Please welcome to the show for the first time, Mr. Kyle Anderson. Kyle, how are you doing today, man? Scott, I am I'm most excellent after that introduction. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for coming on. I am a huge fan, and I appreciate you taking the time out for yet another opportunity to talk pop culture, because I'm sure you never get enough of that. <laughs> what can I do? <laughs> never, never get tired of it, man. Never get tired of it. There you go. Love it. I'm the same. Let's start with a little bit of background first. Talk about, since it's your first time on the show, where did you grow up? What kind of kid were you? And what kind of brought you to this drive of superheroes and pop culture? Oh boy, uh, we got oh, it's always always uh, good to have an origin story on a uh, superhero conversation. Uh, I am originally exactly. from exactly, right? Um I am originally from I grew up in uh, suburban Connecticut, uh you know, uh, super uh, super straight-laced, uh, super Caucasian. And um <laughs> what kind of kid was I mean, I was I was a pretty you know, I think I think like a lot of people who end up, uh, you know, doing what I do for a living. I was I was a pretty obsessive kid. Music was my first love. That was a thing that my my entry point into a lot of sort of the obsessive brand of pop culture was reading uh, Spin and Rolling Stone, two magazines that I later worked for, and uh, and so that like music was my first obsession, and that led me into you know this whole world of uh, you know film and comic books and television and uh, and then it wasn't until I moved to New York uh, to go to college uh, I went to NYU and I lived then lived in New York for 15 years and that's really where uh, everything kind of uh, sort of uh, you know galvanized for me as a uh, professional liker of pop culture very cool I do think you do a, quite a bit of music so music is definitely still very uh, high in your life um, what was it? Was that actually your first paid gig for writing or reporting, or what was your first paid gig? And give a little quick, brief history of your career. Oh, sure. Uh, I was first paid to write words about pop culture for a um, dearly departed magazine uh, called uh, – my first magazine gig was for SHM, For Him Magazine, which was which, – uh, at least in the United States no longer exists – I believe it still exists in the UK, but it was a uh, it was a um, a competitor of Maxim, and so uh, you know it was a lot of uh, you know scantily clad ladies and uh, you know jokes about farting and stuff. But I I did a lot of their um, film and music coverage, which I really really loved, and so started there as an intern, uh, ended up getting um, you know a gig there as a kind of a freelance writer, a stringer. And then from there went to uh, got a job at um, Spin Magazine was an assistant editor there for a while. Went from Spin to uh, Rolling Stone. Spent a year at Rolling Stone. Uh, it was the, the worst year of my life. 
and then uh, and then worked for <laughs> and then and then worked for MTV, and then finally landed at uh, Entertainment Weekly, and then it was the uh, Entertainment Weekly job that led directly into working for their uh, Sirius XM channel that's, uh, that launched uh, a couple years into my tenure there. And initially, the pitch was, uh, well, if if you if you think you want to talk on the radio about the things that you love, then you can you know start to actually do that. And so I started guesting on shows, and then I started hosting shows, and now I have my own series of shows, actually. So that's um, that kind of brings us up to present day, I think. Fantastic. And they are some excellent shows. I love uh, love your whole format. I've been obsessed with the uh, whole WB um, Ike canon you've been going through. Uh, talk about that a little bit because that was the precursor to CW, of course. Um, talk about how that's been. Has that been kind of fun? Oh man, that has been my most favorite thing. So on my uh, on my talk show, Up All Afternoon, which is every weekday on Entertainment Weekly Radio, uh, we do every Tuesday. We've been doing a series called The Complete History of the WB, and because I, I realized recently that uh, you know so much of my uh, interest as a TV watcher and as a TV critic and as a TV fan began in the late 90s with the launch of the WB Network. And it's a really interesting thing because th- that network was only in existence for 11 years. And yet it seems right. like it made such a huge impact not only on my life but also like on the world of television. So many people, uh, you know, huge names got their start doing television shows for the WB, uh, you know, um, um, uh, Kevin Williamson and J.J. Abrams and Ryan Murphy and Greg Berlanti, who I think we're going to talk a lot about over the course of uh, this conversation. And uh, right. so I have been, I have, so I, I said, well, let, let's let's try to track exactly what the arc of this channel is. And so every every week we focus on a different show. And uh, and you're you're 100 right that like so much of what we know as the CW today, which is currently you know completely ruled by the Arrowverse and Greg Berlanti Productions, all of that stuff begins in the late 90s when the WB realizes that, oh, uh, teenagers will tune in to see shows that are actually geared towards them and uh, and that not only will they engage in, you know, your very normal teen stories, but they'll also engage in genre stories. And initially that was primarily, um, you know, kind of uh, fantasy and sci-fi stuff, but it eventually evolved into a lot of comic book stories. Right, right. Yeah, I love that. I really love the series. Tuesday's one of my favorite days. Talk a little bit about um, what came first, Chicken or the Egg. Was pop culture and entertainment weekly lead you into superheroes, or were you always superheroes that led you into covering that for the uh, for the radio and for your some of your articles. Uh, well, I've always been. I mean, I, I started reading comics. I think when I was probably, you know, eight or nine years old. I mean, it, it goes it goes way back to I um I I made my first comic book discoveries right around the time when, um, the like the uh, the X Men were uh, really really peaking as a comics property. There was an animated series on Fox, and then I also really got invested in the X-Men uh, you know, monthly books uh, that were being written at the time by a handful of really, really interesting creators over at Marvel. And so that's always been a that's always been a part of me. I've kind of I've kind of drifted in and out of you know following comics. You know, since then, I've had periods where I haven't really been all that caught up. But I have a lot of friends in the comics world, and so and I realized you know we were talking about this the you know Superhero Insider, which is the show that we do every every Friday to talk about 
comics and uh, TV and film is a show that we launched God, like two years ago now. And it was it was basically we, we had this conversation at San Diego Comic-Con, which we cover every year for uh, Entertainment Weekly. And we said, you know, there's so many of these shows now and there's so much engagement in it. And there's, uh, you know, obviously like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the biggest thing in film. And there are all these sort of narratives. And all of a sudden, you know, very normal, otherwise unassuming non-comic book people are having conversations about like – Ant-Man and Aquaman and, you know, like <laughs> right. like minor characters in the Flash universe. Like, it, it, all of a sudden, it, like, all this stuff felt like it became normalized. We said, all right, well, let's let's try to break it down for people and bridge that gap between the, you know, the, 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 the stuff that we grew up reading and obsessing over and what is now, you know, huge mainstream, you know, money-making entertainment. Exactly, and the fans just live for Easter eggs. I mean, they pour through these CW episodes, and they catch every single reference that I have forgot about because it's been so long since I've watched my read my comic books. But it's just amazing the fandom that this whole genre has created over in the Arrowverse. Uh, talk about what you've noticed in it. What's, what do you think have been really strengths of it uh, for the CW and for superheroes in general? Well, one of the things that I always come back to with all of those Arrowverse shows, you know, Arrow, uh, Supergirl, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and then, of course, you know, and then Black Lightning exists, you know, somewhat outside of that continuity, but is obviously still a comic book show that airs on the, on the CW and is produced by Greg Belanti Productions. Right. One thing that I, I really think that holds those things together is that they are so very clearly made by people who love these characters and understand these characters. And so, like, it, it would be one thing if it were just a, you know, like, a cavalcade of, of references. And, and that would that would satisfy most of your hardcore audience if you just, like, every once in a while gave a nod to something that was off the beaten path, that was sort of slightly more esoteric. But the, I think the thing that really brings people in and that keeps them stuck, you know, I mean, Arrow is in its seventh season right now, which is completely bananas. Right. And I and I think that the <laughs> thing that has kept people coming back to that show and and kept people invested in it and and still and and again, you know, like the the you know that, that's a show that like has seen growth in its you know fifth, sixth, and seventh season. And I think the the people keep coming in because those shows are clearly made by people who understand these characters, who love these characters, who understand what these characters represent. And what these characters mean to the people watching, uh, that to me is the great through line uh, in what you see in all these shows. And obviously they're they're all you know obviously they're they're all based in DC Comics characters that are semi-famous, and they tell very similar types of stories because there's only a hand you know there's only a certain number of stories you can you can tell uh, both in the comic book sure. world and in, in the in the you know hour long TV format. But um, but they are very, very different shows, and yet they all have this sort of baseline of quality and understanding that I think is the thing that even if people – even if the audience doesn't understand it consciously, that's the thing that is really holding it together and hooking people in. Right, and they all have such different styles, which is really kind of fun to follow. Do you have uh, – of all the shows, do you have a favorite character that really didn't start out as a favorite and maybe the opposite – a character you thought would have been the most promised that kind of bummed you out where they're at today. Oh, boy. I mean, there are so many characters in the Arrowverse particularly that have 
that I've really been sold on. I was just having this conversation the other day with um, one of my superhero insider uh, co-hosts, uh, Chancellor Agard from Entertainment Weekly, and I was saying how when uh, Wild Dog on Arrow was first introduced, I think back in season five, when the the first like the idea of Team Arrow. 2.0 was kind of coming together. I remember thinking, like, right. w- this is such a cartoon of a character. Like, it's just, you know, he's, like, just, like, this generic gangbanger. Like, they clearly, like, what are they doing? It feels so goofy and, and mildly <laughs> offensive. Like, it just, it, it it did not work on any kind of level. And I think, you know, smash cut to, you know, a season and, you know, to, or, you know two and a half seasons later... Uh, I am so engaged in all of the Renee stuff on Arrow and like all of the and like and to me like there's never enough Wild Dog on that show and so you know and that is again that is a combination of the writers figuring out who that character was and also the actor clearly taking some kind of ownership over it and so that like you know if you told me when they first introduced Wild Dog on that show I would have thought like no go away I'm I don't care about that at all and uh, <laughs> uh, but now it's I'm like that is one of the narratives on Arrow that I am most engaged with um as far as the other side i mean there are there's not a whole lot of people that have have really let me down necessarily i would say like there's there's probably been a couple of missed opportunities in the flash villains um i i you know i think i think everybody on on team flash at this point now in their fifth season is has been serviced relatively well uh, but I, uh, you know, coming into as a comic book fan, as a fan of the Flash, as a fan of that Flash universe, I think that um, there have been there are like that's some of, some of my favorite villains are, uh, you know, that like only exist in the Flash books, and the 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 characters they've chosen to use, particularly as their as their big bads. Um, you know, like, um, like I, I've never, I've never been interested in, or like, like the, I, the idea of Sabotar, for example, who was the, the big bad of last season, is right. not a terrible idea. It's not a terrible concept, but it all, but like the execution was a little bit dreary to me, and and I am one of my favorite comic characters in the universe, uh, has always been Gorilla Grodd. And uh, the fact that he's a Flash villain has always been very strange to me, but I love it. And <laughs> when they, I mean, they, I believe they first teased the very idea of Gorilla Grodd back in like season one of Flash. Like it's a, it's a, it's a long they tease did, before yeah. he actually shows up. And I remember thinking like, oh man, they're gonna do Grodd on this show, and it's gonna be amazing. And it's, you know, Grodd's shown up what I think two or three times. And it's never really been very satisfying, and I, I I keep kind of waiting for them to do something bigger with that character, just because he's he's so wonderful and so crazy. I know that it's probably very difficult for them from a budget perspective to do a you know a digital ape because it's you know it's it's still sure, television. Yeah. But uh, but but that's always been a thing that's kind of like stuck in my craw. Like oh man, it's like Garad's Garad's right there. They've done it, but they've never really done it in a way that satisfied me. Right. No, I totally agree um, with Renee Mad Dog character. I think uh, it really started coming to life when he was working with uh, Lance. I mean, Paul uh, is an actor that can do no wrong by me. I followed him on soaps, believe it or not. And uh, <laughs> Paul Blackburn is just kind of an amazing actor to begin with. So He's I don't great. know if that helped up both their games or what happened, but that really brought Renee to the front. Now seeing him in the future as the mayor, it's just been fun to watch him really evolve this season, especially. 
um, the first person to kind of befriend uh, the new Green Arrow. So that, that's been kind of a fun part for me as well. I agree. Uh, where do you see – they've all got renewed now, it seems. And mm-hmm. we have Arrow with the kind of controversial part of this season's crossover kind of not where it's going. Where do you see things happen? Where would you like to see things happen um, next season for these guys? We, we need to finish out this season. And we still have some kind of cliffhangers on some – what super big bads are. I think they've kind of really spent this season with a lot of different storylines going. Are you kind of feeling that as much as I am? There's so much storylines in each of the shows this year. Yeah. They, I mean, they definitely have, you know, I mean, since everything is so deep into their runs, it's very much, I, I, I do feel like that they feel a certain freedom uh, to mess around with uh, a lot of the formats. I mean, the, you know, the fact that the fact that Arrow had a um, uh, a big bad in uh, you know uh, Richard the Dragon there carry over from one season to another is like I mean that's the, that's kind of a kind of a huge game changer. Um, I know that there's uh, you know I mean particularly with Arrow that's always a show that has uh, really juggled a lot of different narratives all at once but i agree with you scott i i i do think that um particularly on arrow and on flash this year it does feel like uh there's been a lot of concurrent stories and i actually i mean in in the case of the flash i kind of love that they've been doing that because that is such to me that is the the strongest well actually i I love legends of tomorrow too but but flash is a very very strong ensemble and I have, right. my, if I've if I've ever had a complaint about that show, it's that I I've never thought that they've given enough of the satellite character stuff to do. We were talking about this on Superhero Insider not too long ago. That there was a recent episode of The Flash where Barry was relegated to like the C plot of of the episode. Like the actual Flash stuff was less important than what Cisco and Caitlin were doing in the A plot and what uh you know um, uh, Ralph and um, uh Sherlock Wells were up to. And so like the the fact that that stuff is cuz that's the stuff that like really kind of excites me as a comic book fan. It's like all right, like, let's get into these characters and and have them you know, see, you know, see the sort of like what their lives are like separate from, you know, the main hero who, you know, gives the team its name. Right. I mean, as far as as far as sort of like movement forward, I mean, you know, you got to figure a show like Arrow, which, as as you mentioned, was just renewed for its eighth season, which is completely bananas. <laughs> you got to figure that Arrow <laughs> is a show that is probably closer to its end than its beginning. Um, you know, I mean, we, right. we've we've seen we've seen a lot of uh, you know actors uh, peel away from that cast. I mean, we you know we we just saw this past week that uh, Echo Kellum uh, has actually uh, exited that show, and um, and so you know I I'm, I'm very interested to see because you know we're in a very strange uh, world here where. You know, uh, it's we we've never really we've never seen a show like this. You know, all all these shows are so revolutionary and so new. We've never seen a show like this where it's go. It, you know, it's it's going to be given the chance to wrap up. And so I'm very very curious to see what Arrow does for its end game and what the and I I've been told by producers that they know exactly what the last episode ever of Arrow is going to look like. Uh, like they know exactly how oh, the arc is going to go uh just it, it's just a question of sort of when do you kind of start that end game moving forward and so uh and i i, I couldn't i mean at this point you know and and you know i mean 
Arrow could run, you know, five more seasons. It could run two more seasons. It's, it's, you know, it, it's, uh, it's unclear exactly, you know, how how long that game is going to be. But, uh, but you got to figure that they probably have to start the wheels rolling on that sooner rather than later. Yeah, you wonder. I mean, you have things like, of course, um, you have Supernatural has been there forever, and they've kind of <laughs> added different characters to change that up a bit. So you know, there's a possibility there, and the CW is dedicated to doing that. But you're right. How how far can you take um, a character without kind of having a serious type of reboot or redirection on it? Um, you are an insider's insider, and we keep hearing about possibly uh, Cisco leaving. Um, what have you? What can you share on that? Anything in particular? Any extra inside information you know? I I haven't heard anything outside of uh, you know sort of what everyone else has heard as far as um, as far as those rumors go. Um, it would not entirely shock me if if um, if, if Carlos Valdez exited. I do know that because uh, we already know that they're going to do for the big crossover event uh you know this this coming december they're going to do crisis on infinite earths and right. uh we i i have been told and i feel like this has been reported elsewhere that they are going to treat that as a real serious you know that like that could be an exit point for a lot of characters within this universe. It could be the exit point for entire shows in this universe. And so, right, right. Um, so it'll be it'll it'll be very interesting that you know because that's already you know obviously to make to, to make something of, of that size and scope. I know that there um, there are already there's already at least an outline and there may even be scripts at this point. Uh, and so uh, I think the reason why we're hearing about a lot of those rumors is because. Uh, a lot of that stuff is already being plotted for the end of uh, this year. So it's going to be a very, very interesting time because uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of transition that's going to be happening in the Arrowverse. Uh, and, and I would not be shocked if we see uh, the, the, the end or the reimagining or you know, the complete exit of uh, a handful of characters uh, and performers uh, when we get to that big crossover at the end of the year. Yeah, I think that's the feel, and it's going to be a doozy. I think they've been hinting it from the beginning. I think they're uh, ever since Flash premiered. I think Greg Berlanti's mind. Um, have you interviewed him a couple times or anything? Talk about. I mean, his mind is just amazing on how he um, has kind of these things mapped out in his head ahead of time too. I mean, anytime, anytime I've ever talked to Greg, uh, who is uh, you know obviously just a brilliant guy, um, I always refer to him as the big brain. Because he is, the, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really in awe of that guy's talent. He obviously is, has a passion for these characters, but fundamentally has a passion and a real ability for storytelling. And he is, you know, obviously the guy has no, you know, he has something like 47 shows on the air right now, and so he obviously he knows he knows how to make TV. And uh, and he's and he's so good at that, and that really like that is the thing. I mean, you know, if if given any kind of subject matter, he would be able to tell the story. And the thing that a lot of people I think don't know about Greg Berlanti is that you know even though he has all of these shows, and uh, you know you you would think that you know and and there and there have been you know guys who run production companies who, you know, will will get a show started and then very much, like, almost forget that it exists. They'll be kind of an absent father. But Greg is really, really hands-on with 
every single show that bears his name, which I've always been like really amazed by. I mean, he's one of the busiest people in the universe, quite frankly. Um, but he is—he just—he has such an incredible mind for storytelling and for long-term arcs. And and, and so when when a guy like him tells me. Uh, you know, uh, oh, you know, I know exactly what er- what the end of Arrow looks like, and I know, uh, you know, exactly what, you know, uh, Supergirl looks like two seasons from now. I 100% believe him, because uh, he is, uh, you know, he has proven himself time and again to be a real genius, both for comics and for television. I agree 100%, and I love um, that you feel the same way on that. All right, so we're talking... Uh about the television industry, but I want to go into movies. This is going to be such a huge year for superhero movies. We have the Civil War Endgame, Captain Marvel, Dark Phoenix, Spider-Man Far From Home, Shazam, The New Mutants, Hellboy Gambit, so much stuff going on. Can you believe how much is actually content is out there these days? It is It is really, really Amazing. I was. I've been having so many conversations with people about you know because um, you know the, with the with the sort of Marvel Cinematic Universe coming to a at least some kind of endpoint with Avengers Endgame and they you know that's this is a, a process that started you know 11 years ago with the arrival of the first Iron Man movie and I remember when they made the Iron Man movie I thought like all right well let's see let's see what this is like and the idea being that they were going to they were you know the the, the whole plan was that they were going to be like, all right, we're going, to, we're going to do all these movies, and then we're going to do an Avengers movie. And I remember having conversations with people in the movie industry, in the comics industry, back in 2008. And we were like, we were taking bets on whether or not we would ever get to an Avengers movie. We were like, there's no way, like, the, this whole thing will flame out before they ever make that movie. And uh, and boy, that was one of the many times in my career that I've been super wrong uh, because, uh, you know, <laughs> that is now, I mean, you know, when when you look at the film landscape, it is, you know, not so not only are the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies the biggest movies, I mean, I think three of the ten biggest box office draws last year were Marvel movies. We now have a Marvel movie that nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture in Black Panther. And uh, so not only are they, the, you know, like the kind of baseline dominant blockbusters, but also they've had so much of a huge effect on the way that the film industry operates. Where now it's like, you know, not only do you, you know, it's like you can't just have like a single great movie. It has to be part of a franchise. It has to be part of a universe. And so many other, and, and this is the thing that I, I love about it too, is that so many other um you know, studios and film companies have learned all of the wrong lessons about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The thing that makes those movies, things that make those movies great, the things that makes them work, is again, and we keep coming back to this, and this is such a fundamental thing, is that their storytelling is so incredibly strong, and their their commitment to character is so incredibly strong, and you know, and so I, I think that a lot of other people, and it's you know, it, it is unfortunately, you know, a lot of the DC properties we've seen have the same problem. And they're like, well, if we just put it in a universe, then everybody will love it, and that's that's proven to be not the case at all. Um, so, but it's but it is it is very very thrilling and very gratifying as a kid who you know grew up reading comics to be like you know oh like you know because you know like growing up reading comics there was a um, there was a there, I mean, there still is a magazine called Wizard Magazine 
that was like the comics magazine, and they would always do these fantasy castings of comic book movies. The but the idea being that like, well, no one will ever make these movies, so we could just kind of name whoever we want. <laughs> And and it's you know because it's like it'll it'll never happen like no one will ever commit to this and so the idea that now we're <laughs> we're you know year like over a decade into this experiment and we're seeing you know movies that are zeroing you know like one of the biggest hits of last year was a damn Aquaman movie like that doesn't make any sense like that's crazy the idea is right. that there is the idea that there is a movie coming out uh, that is that completely that, you know surrounds the the entire Dark Phoenix saga is. Very, very crazy to me. I mean, the fact that the Guardians of the Galaxy are now a very recognizable character base that have their own ride at Disneyland and that are, you know, beloved <laughs> by children. Like, that is, that, if you take a step back, that is completely insane, but also insane in a very wonderful way. And so it is, um, you know, it certainly is, I mean, you know, between uh, film and TV, our our cup runneth over. And um, and I, I kind of, you know, I keep waiting for the day where it's, you know, like the kind of cracks are going to start to show. And, you know, it's, we've, we've seen, look, we've seen some bad movies. We've seen some movies that have not been great over the past decade. But I don't know. It's mostly, sure. been, it's mostly been pretty great and pretty exciting. And so we're, we're, I feel like we're still kind of in the golden era right now. I agree 100%. And one of the movies I'm most looking forward to, which is kind of funny because it started out as a stupid Saturday morning cartoon when I was a kid. You have Shazam coming out with the amazing <laughs> Zachary Levi. I mean, I have my nerd and geek credits intact, as does Zachary Levi, plus uh, Asher Angel from the Andy Mac, who's kind of big in LGBT this past week for a big coming out episode there. But it's going to be kind of, I can't believe the tongue-in-cheekness of the preview to begin with, but it's gonna, it just amazes me that it's going to be on the air. What are you looking forward to in the cinematic universe of any of the shows this year? Uh, well, I'm I'm looking for. I mean, Shazam is definitely one of them. How much, right? How joyous is that trailer for that movie? Right, that movie looks like such a blast. I'm I'm very so very fun. excited about so that. Um, you know, I I've been saying for you know ever, ever since they announced uh, the casting of Brie Larson, I have been waiting for Captain Marvel. And we we you know we don't have that much longer to go, but I have that is like that's been like my most hotly anticipated movie for like three years running. Um, I'm I'm such a giant fan of that character. I love that it's going to be a '90s period piece. Uh, I think that that casting is perfect. The cast around her is going to be amazing. It looks cool. It's got a kitty cat in it. Like it's it really ticks all of <laughs> my big boxes, which is which is always uh you know always kind of a big deal. And I'm you know I'm I'm also you know Avengers Endgame is gonna be is gonna be gigantic. I mean it's gonna be like literally gigantic. They're talking about being it three or more hours long, like it's you know Return of the King or something. And right. um and it's I am you know. That Marvel, particularly with the Avengers movies, has managed to continuously escalate things, and and I, I loved Infinity War. I thought it was a, an incredibly well-made movie and an incredibly difficult to pull off thing. And so, like, I'm I'm fascinated by what what they're actually going to roll out. And so far, I mean, they haven't given us very much, but the teasers so far have been pretty engaging, and they looks like really fascinating. And they're, we're going to get a lot of, uh, you know, Rocket Raccoon. And so, you know, what what more could we possibly want? So between between that and Shazam and Captain Marvel, I mean, the first half of the year is going to be is going to be pretty amazing. You know, and then we're also, I mean, we're going to get a we're going to get a you know a Wonder Woman sequel later on this year, which I'm also, uh, uh, you know, that's I mean, that's you know, maybe of of all these movies in the past decade that that Wonder Woman movie might be my favorite 
and uh, and the fact that we're going to get more of that is uh, uh, is something that I'm very excited about. It was excellently well made. What do you think of uh, Spider-Man 3.0? I really actually like um, the new Spider-Man. I, I was a huge fan of everybody, but I mean, I was. It's just it's so funny. Like I'm an Edward Norton fan. So we have Hulk in there. There's so many different incarnations they've had of these characters. <laughs> Talk about uh, what you think of that and of Spider-Man in particular. Uh, I am – well, I think that – and I'm – I don't think that there's ever been an actor – because I, I love the Hulk. He's He may be my – like, he's one of my favorite fictional characters because I'm – you probably can't tell from this conversation, but I'm full of rage at all times. And so, uh, I <laughs> like, I I thought that – I actually thought that Eric Bannon did a nice job in the Ang Lee Hulk. I think that Edward Norton did a very, very good job as the Hulk, although I think that – I do think that the um, the current Hulk that we have, played by Mark Ruffalo, is, uh, is a pretty amazing version of the Hulk. As far as Spider-Man goes, um, I was uh, – I thought that um, – that uh, Andrew Garfield was such uh, uh, a whiff on that character. I never thought that he necessarily understood who this guy was or who he was supposed to be or who he wanted Spider-Man to be. I think like, the big problem with, with the, those amazing Spider-Man movies is that they're fundamentally not very good, um, you know, from a from a kind of writing perspective. Like, it's just like, you know, there's only so much you can do. And so... Um, and so I sometimes have to have to step back and it's like, oh, is Tom Holland merely better than Andrew Garfield was? And he is, but he also seems to uh, embrace a version of Spider-Man because Spider-Man is supposed to be a kid and he's supposed to have this kind of youthful exuberance and this this sort of naivete that makes him, um, you know, a, a, a much more interesting you know version of a hero than a lot of the other. Heroes that that we had seen, you know, particularly when when he was first introduced in the comics, and 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 I think that he nails it so well, and he gets the Spider-Man brand of humor that I don't think that like Tobey Maguire got close to it, but never really figured it out, and and so uh, yeah, I mean, I think that I think we're also dealing with the best Spider-Man that that um, we've we've ever had, and um, and I'm I'm not I'm I think I'm in the minority. Of people who is not that wild about. I actually I didn't love Homecoming as much as a lot of other people, and I don't think the trailer to Far From Home looks all that great to me. But I am willing to be proven wrong, and I'm certainly going to watch because I think Tom Holland is a pretty um, fantastic performer, and I think he really gets Spider-Man. Right, I, I'm the exact same way. That's why I was wondering your thoughts on that because I think you're right. He does play that youthful energy that you think of Spider-Man being. You know, the movies are kind of eh. They've always been kind of eh. So agree 100% on that. Very cool. Um, anything that we should be on the lookout for that's on your radar that might not be on anyone else's radar at this time? Oh, man. Well, you know, the uh, both Warner Brothers and the Disney Corporation are pretty good at uh, letting everybody know uh, what's happening at all times. Um, I mean, there <laughs> has been, like, I, I, to me, I think that the maybe the most interesting narrative that I'm tracking right now in the world of comic book film is what's happening with James Gunn. Uh, you know, we know that, uh, you know, he made two Guardians of the Galaxy movies for Marvel. They're both fantastic. Uh, he, you know, pe- people unearthed uh, some, some bad actors, unearthed some very unfortunate old tweets. Uh, he was fired by Disney. Now seems to have found a home at Warner Brothers. 
and uh, he has written a script for a new Suicide Squad movie. He is likely going to direct that movie. And uh, when we've talked about this on Superhero Insider recently, that Suicide Squad is an idea that I have always really, really liked in the comics, and I think that it has very rarely been executed the right way. It certainly was not executed the right way in the Suicide Squad movie from a couple years ago, because that is one of the most unwatchable films uh, ever made. <laughs> and um, and so, so now we've got a guy who has a proven track record of stuff that I like, who understands you know, these sort of, you know, uh, Motley Crue type of character pieces that he's done with Guardians and an idea that I've always loved that I don't think ever has, has been done right. So, you know, I mean, I think that the, I think that the, they've, they've slotted the, um, the Suicide Squad movie for like 2021. So it's, you know, it's, we have kind of a ways to go, but I'll be very, very interested to see, uh, you know, how that gets developed, how that gets cast. Uh, and then in the meantime, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy remains a huge money-making franchise for Marvel and Disney. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's unclear whether or not they're going to be able to revisit it because they, you know, that cast is, has been very um, uh, loyal to James Gunn. And it's unclear whether or not they're going to be willing to do another movie uh, under the auspices of someone else. So that, that to me is, um, you know, a very kind of, a very kind of uh, intriguing thing. I'm also very curious to know, uh, you know, because it does seem like um, I was very excited about the idea of a um, of a Flash movie. Uh, you know, after we saw the Flash show up in uh, Justice League, and right. um, and it and and that movie appears to be dead. I don't think that they are uh, moving forward with with that idea, which is really kind of a bummer because I thought that that was the, that that version of the Flash is really interesting to me. Um, and the way that. DC seems. I mean, you know, we we just heard recently that um, that they're going to spin off Aquaman that is going to be based on um, the, like, the sort of monsters from the deep that we saw in that that one sequence oh, in the movie. God. Which I don't really understand right. how that's a movie, but um, <laughs> but you know, it's I'm, I'm any and the, the, none of their moves ever seem to make any sense on paper, but they have managed to figure out how to make movies, and so. Uh, so those are all the kind of narratives that I'm tracking. And, you know, again, like all that stuff, we're not going to see come to fruition for, you know, two, three, four years. Um, but it is, I, you know, a, a lot of times the development of these things is so, so interesting. And then I'm also, and you know, the other thing too is that, you know, not to, not to pile on um, uh, uh, DC, but they've got this this uh, this movie, The Batman. They have a script for, they have a director for. Um, but they have no Batman. Ben Affleck is not going to be returning as Batman, and so um, I don't know. Right, I don't know what that movie younger. is. I don't know who you. I don't know who you cast. I don't know if you try to make somebody. I don't know if you try to draft somebody from television. It's not, you know. Um, I mean, there's a there was a um, like a, and I, I I couldn't tell if this was just something that was invented by um, CW Twitter or if it is an actual rumor. I, I still have yet to get to the bottom of it. But there was <laughs> there was a lot of talk about Cole Sprouse maybe playing Bruce Wayne, and I don't think I love that idea. <laughs> I think that sounds very bizarre. But no, I also that would heard... be very hard transposition <laughs> from Jughead to Batman. I would I have trouble with that. <laughs> I know. Would he still wear the hat? I don't know. It's very, it's very unclear. Um, I, I, I get the sense that that was like Riverdale Twitter. Well, man, I really appreciate you having having you on, Kyle. Do you mind telling the listeners where they can find you again on Sirius, and talk about social media as well, where they can follow you on social media. 
Oh, yeah, man. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so if people want to listen to uh, more of me uh, talking about comic book stuff, they can listen to Superhero Insider, which airs every Friday on Entertainment Weekly Radio. That's uh, Sirius XM uh, Channel 105. And that is, of course, always available on demand on the Sirius XM app. And then if you want to hear me uh, ramble on about uh, all kinds of other stuff, music and uh, film and uh, books and video games and whatever else, uh, that is a show called Up All Afternoon. And that, again, is on Entertainment Weekly Radio uh, every uh, weekday, 4 to 6 p.m., and always available on demand. And you can find me uh, on the Internet. I am at Kyle AEW on Twitter. And uh, the website for the show is upallafternoon.com. Terrific. And on the website, I want to point out your blog. Your blog is a lot of fun. I like the thoughts. It goes from music, like you said, to everywhere. you got Dawson's Creek. Um, we need to spend some time next time talking about reboots and what your thoughts on there. I love that you and your wife are revisiting Moonlighting, one of my favorite shows of all time. And I think you're right where in our reboot culture it would be one of the best reboots on again. But your blog mm-hmm. is really fun, my friend. Oh, thank you very much. Well, we're going to have to have you on again sometime to catch us up on all this. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you being on. This is Mr. Kyle Anderson from Entertainment Weekly and Entertainment Radio, Channel 105 on Sirius XM. We're going to take a quick break. Be back in just a couple of minutes. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.